Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. The Bat Around is brought to you by uh, Pressbox's Project Game Day. The place to be after this and every Ravens game this season is Pressbox's Project Game Day. Glenn Clark, Rita Hubbard, and former Ravens Super Bowl champion Femi Iambadejo will react live to every game, offering their truly uncensored opinions about the team's decisions and results in each game. Plus, they'll be joined by other special guests during the year, and you can chime in live during each show as well. Watch the shows live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline.com or Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And check Glenn Clark Radio or the NFL Chick on Twitter for a Zoom link that will allow you to be part of the show. So join Glenn, Rita, and Femi tomorrow after Ravens, Titans, and every game day this season. Project Game Day is brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.com. Org. Zachary Allen Goodman, good morning. Good miserable good morning. Saturday morning to you. Um, yeah, very, when you came in, I said this is a good way to recap the Orioles season in dreary weather like this. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Not so much, but yeah, I, I don't know. Today's crap. Um, <laughs> it, it, is. Is, it is very overcast and uh, on and off rainy. It looks like the sky is about to open up in any minute, just like my tear ducts when I think about how the <laughs> Orioles season ended. Um, look, 101 wins. People asked me when they clinched the division – did I cry? How excited am I? How pumped am I? And and I said, you know, I'll be pumped when they get past the ALCS because I've seen division winners and I've sure. seen uh, league championship series teams. I've never seen a team get to the World Series and I've never seen an Orioles playoff team that didn't leave me heartbroken at the end of the season. Um, look, to say I'm heartbroken, I'm not heartbroken. This team wasn't supposed to be here. And I hate when people say that because it's a cop-out, right? It, it's it's excusing a, a mediocre to poor performance. Let, let's be realistic about this. It, it was a poor performance it in was. the playoffs. It was a terrible performance. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's excusing that. Yeah. But the fact, well. the, the fact remains, 2021, the Orioles lost 110 games. They won 80, 84 last year, and they weren't supposed to. 83. They won 83 games last year, and they weren't supposed to. And then this year they won 101. 101 wins. Yeah. Most wins since 1979 for yeah. this franchise. Absolutely phenomenal. Yep. But it amounts to a hill of beans if you don't make it in the playoffs. Yeah. If you get into the playoffs and you do what the Orioles did, and to be fair, what the Dodgers did, and what the Rays did, and what the Braves did. the four Actually, the five best records in all of baseball went 1-13 and 13 mm. in the postseason. Yeah. And misery loves company, but... There's no company for this kind of misery because you wanted your team that had the second best record in all of baseball and the most wins in the American League to sh to assert their dominance. And it kind of showed us what the weaknesses are with this team and the weaknesses that we kind of already knew but didn't expect them to rear their ugly head in the way that they did. The fact that Grayson Rodriguez and Dean Kramer couldn't get out of the second inning yeah. in playoff starts, that's unacceptable, right? Completely. I, You saw those two starts. They were completely un uncompetitive. Um, it, Grayson's start, he started off just a little bit wild. The nerves were clearly there for him. You could tell. Kramer, the home run, I mean, it, nothing went well in Kramer's outing. Like, it, there was no, there's no factor of Kramer's outing that makes me walk away from it happy about it. Um, it was short. It was not good. Six earned runs. 
I mean, just brutal. And again, again, Grayson's outing. Some pitches were okay, but he was pretty wild. The nerves were there, clearly. The stuff wasn't on point like it usually is. Not the Grayson Rodriguez we've seen since the All-Star break. Just not the yeah. same guy. And even Kyle Bradish wasn't the guy that we've seen all season. No, Kyle Kyle Bradish. And, and, and yeah. here's the thing. He was, he, okay. he, was he, he was good. I wouldn't say he was the guy we nine, see all season. Nine strikeouts and four and two-thirds innings on 85 pitches is damn good. I, and I'll tell you. I expect you, him to go farther in a playoff game. Uh, he should have, and he could have. Well, he okay. got we pulled make, early. You can make that argument. He got sure. pulled, and 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 that's the thing. Okay, one, Kyle Bradish in every single start. If you go back and look, where he gave up, where he went six innings and gave up two runs, those two runs generally came in the same inning. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna yeah. say every single. Now I'll have the no, the stats in front of me to 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 back that. But it I, seems but, like that. But it, but I feel like that's what happened a majority of the time. That those two runs came in the same inning, whether it was a two run homer or they laced together a few a few base hits. It's kind of what Kyle Bradish's mo was. But it yeah. was one inning, and then he's dominant the rest of the time. Nine strikeouts. He did. Yeah, he did. N- that's nine, tied Norio's record. Not so. nine strikeouts out of fourteen outs. That's incredible. And that's not to say that Kyle Bradish, my opinion on that, is not to say that Kyle Bradish lost them the game. The Bats no, lost he, them he the had, game. No, the Bats lost them the game. They, they, in, they in, did nothing. In games one and game and game three. Yeah. Cedric Mullins ended the season on a, what was it, a two for 47 drought? He was, uh, I don't know if it was 47, but it was up there. It was, it was, in, it it was, was in the 40s. Yeah, it, it, he came into that, I think it was two for 45. Yeah. He came into that game um, two for his last 41. <laughs> and dreadful series from Cedric Mullins. Yeah, and, and then Ryan O'Hearn had one hit in the postseason. Yeah. Adley Rutschman had one hit in the postseason. Um, Gunner was the big game player that I, that yeah. we expected him to be. Sure, and that's who he is. That's who he is. Um, the rest of the offense let the team. And, and you know what? Hicks had a good series. Santander had a good series in that first game. Santander, Carried Hicks, the team. and Mountcastle were the only ones that had competitive bats. Right. They were the they right. were the only ones. That's it. Um. Uh, by the way, on Ryan O'Hearn, he, I think it was game two, he hit a ball that would have gone out in previous Camden Yards that really would have changed the game. I think it was early on. It was like the third inning, and the Orioles weren't down big yet. It was before they got down big. And he hit a ball that just, he smoked it. It would have been gone in probably 29 of their parks, but not in Oriole Park. And that kind of changed the game a little bit to me. Ryan O'Hearn hit the ball hard a few times. Full disclosure here, I watched all of game one, and I watched all of game three. I was out in Pittsburgh. That's why I wasn't on the show right. last week. And we went to a Ravens-Steelers uh, tailgate. And then afterwards, we went to this bar called Tequila Cowboy. And <clears throat> at no point did they have playoff baseball. On. None yeah. of the games were on those TVs. It was, all, it was all football. Um, and I wasn't about to go leave my friends to go watch baseball by myself in the corner. So <laughs> I, uh, I didn't get to catch any of that baseball game. I had to follow it on GameCast. And I saw in the second inning when Grayson gave up, what was it, five runs yeah. in the second inning. And I, that's when I tweeted out, do your effing job. Um, yeah. Which I I, I I apologize for. I I deleted a lot of tweets where I dropped f bombs. Um, <laughs> just kind of the the environment. You were getting spicy. Yeah, the, the environment that I was in, the, the fact that we had been in tailgate all morning, mm. I probably had no business tweeting, and I let my emotions get the best of me. I I, I promise to never do that again. Uh, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about a really good Orioles season that had a really bad finish. Um, Mike Elias had his end of season press conference uh, the other day. Uh, some takeaways. He said that he and Brandon they were asking him, you know, about the direction of the team and who's going to be running and all that. And he wouldn't commit. He wouldn't comment on down the line. But he did. He did say he and Brandon High will be back next yeah. year. Uh, he wouldn't comment on payroll for next season because, it, in his words, it's day one of our off season. He said, can't wait to see Jackson Holiday in spring training. Says he will have sure. a chance to make the club. Uh, he was asked about pitchers' innings limits this past year. He said the pitching staff banked a lot of experience this year and they will be better off for it, which means. 
there's going to be no restrictions on Bradish, Kramer, well, well, maybe Wells. I don't know. Um, yeah. And Grayson Rodriguez. Well, the role for Wells is still a question mark to me. Yeah. Like, we, don't, we don't know what that role is. We don't know be. what the role is for, for Wells. We don't. We still don't know what the role is for D.L. Hall. Uh, he wouldn't yeah. comment on D.L. Hall either. Did I, I, I'm, yes, he said he didn't want to talk about specifics regarding Wells and Hall as a starting pitcher or relief pitcher. He said they both had tough seasons. He lauded Tyler Wells uh, for coming back up after his demotion and being nails for them down the stretch. Yeah. And he lauded D.L. Hall for getting through injuries and being off-grid, in his words, in Florida, and then coming up at the exact time he was needed and being lights out. I saw everything I needed to see from D.L. Hall in Game 1 to know that I actually finally believe that D.L. Hall is going to be an effective reliever. I always believed he'd be an effective reliever. You did, you did. I, 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 was, I, 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 I've I was also, more skeptical. I've also always believed he'd be an effective starter. I, I think that it would... It would be a disservice to D.L. Hall. And the Orioles, if they try him out as a starter again, he showed right. you everything he needs to show in Game One. Exactly, and in Game Three, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. Um. And the thing with D.L. Hall, as much as I believe in him as a starting pitcher, at this point, there's no way that he could start the season as a start. You were looking at Tyler Wells all over again. Right. How many innings is he going to be able to give you before he, before he starts to tire out right. and run out of gas? So I love D.L. Hall. If he's if he's going to be a lockdown reliever, I I still believe in him as a starter, but I don't think that the current team as it stands has time for that yeah i agree you know i agree uh, like like they just don't have time for that so it, it's a situation where if this was if he had done this in 2022 and then they tried him out as a starter and he did what tyler wells did this year okay mm-hmm. that's not what happened right he's a year behind now and th- they they can't they can't mortgage what they're doing to have him in their rotation, and they're not going to send him right. back down to Triple A. To me, they found the role for the guy. They yeah. found the role, and he he could maybe even push to later innings. It doesn't have to be. I think he came in early. It was a playoff game, which doesn't really matter. It's mm-hmm. uh, that's different. Like you're going to bring in Danny Coolum early in playoff games too, even though he was the back of your bullpen technically. Yeah. If they can push him to the eighth inning, and he can be that guy behind in, in front of Felix Bautista, uh, and maybe Cano, I guess in 2024, that's great. I mean, if he can do what he did in both of those playoff games and just be locked down, be nails, as Brandon Hyde said about Tyler Wells, that's all you need D.L. Hall to be. That's the guy that you've been talking about for a long time. I finally believed it when I saw him pitch like that in game one because I said, this guy's under all the pressure in the world, but he's he's a cool customer. Mm-hmm. He's a cool customer. Like, that's the way he is. He's, he's Is that a Bruce Springsteen a, song? He's a cool customer. Cool yeah. customer. <laughs> Dead on. You sound like you sound like you're in like a, a commercial when you do that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you're in like For a icy guy. hot. Yeah, like <laughs> cool customer, icy hot. Should be like the new Shack, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he he's just he's great under pressure. Clearly, that's his thing. He's he's a very very cool under pressure guy. And that's going to be big for the Orioles. Yeah, it's, it's going to be huge for them. It's because he's got the confidence and he's got the talent and the elite stuff to do it, which is why I've always believed he'd be a legitimate starter. And yeah. I, I still think he could be. I Like I said, I just don't think that that's a, a position that the Orioles are in to, to, to do that right now. Um, you mentioned the wall. Um, they asked they asked Michael Elias. I didn't know about the shot that, that um, O'Hearn hit in game two. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why they asked him. Uh, he said that the wall could be revisited with the new lease agreement to be more aesthetically pleasing, but he's happy to not have the most homer-friendly park in baseball anymore, and that the change worked. And it did. It did. It's Credit no lo- to you because you moved it. So yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I did nothing to stop him, and therefore I am one hundred percent responsible. <laughs> you are for this. That is still a- so asinine. <laughs> To me, I had I couldn't oh, remember who said it. I, I had to go and look at my list of people blocked on Twitter to find to find this guy. Mm. He hasn't posted since then. 
By wow. the way, hmm. it's 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 weird. Wow. It makes me feel as though maybe he was a bit of a stalker. He's probably could be. He's probably upset the Orioles are good. He doesn't want them to be good. I don't think he did. No, I, probably because I don't really he, think he wanted them to be. He's good. one of those fans who is more concerned about being right than whether or not him being wrong means that the team is good. Correct. Yes. Um, by the way, I do want to tell you a little bit. So I'm not going to name the guy. Um, there is a guy who follows me on Twitter. I had to mute him. Mm. He's nice enough, but he joined my baseball team mm-hmm. in the fall. In the fall, like this was like four years ago, four or five years ago. In the fall, you kind of just sign up. You can sign. He, he signed up on our team. Like usually, you have to like talk with the manager first. But we needed players, so our manager didn't say anything about it. Just let him um, let him come play. The guy cannot play baseball, which is neither <laughs> he's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I had no idea who he was, mm-hmm. and we're playing catch in the outfield in the first inning of our first game, and he's telling me my life story. He's telling me all this stuff about me, and I'm looking at him like, who the hell are you? Like, I'm more, I'm more, What did he know, specifically? He, he, he knew who my girlfriend, who is now my wife, he knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew where I worked. He knew, what I, he knew about my shows. He knew... A lot. He, oh, he knew. He knew about my roommate and who one of her good friends were, and ha- because he was obsessed with that girl. It, the the whole thing was so weird. The whole thing was That's so really strange to me, <laughs> and it took me a little while before I realized who he was. And I'm like, I, did did this guy like join this team because he knew I was on it? That's really weird. It was really weird. Yeah. Really That's weird. That's bizarre. Yeah. I, I would be weirded out if that happened. Dude, I no was. Doubt. I, I, I was. He was... um he was And oh, he just randomly tells you this while you're playing catch. We it's were like, playing catch. He just started, Hey, man, by the way. <laughs> he, 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 he's, just, he's just talking to me. He was asking me, like, so, how's so... Like, he mentions my, my girl, my now wife's name. Yeah. He, he's like, so you live with, with such and such, my roommate at the time. And I'm just like... How do you know this? Yeah. This is a guy... <laughs> How's your buddy John doing? Like, <laughs> how do you know that? Th- th- this is a guy... Th- there's there's a baseball field that we that we play on that's right next to a main road okay. up in Hartford County, and there's no blocking you from the road. It's up... The, it's The road's up here, and then there's a hill down to the field. Mm. And there's people around, and there's children around, and in the middle of the game, he decides he has to go to the bathroom, like in between innings, mm. and instead of like going where everybody else goes in the trees behind the fence... Uh, where nobody can see you, mm. he stands right in front of the hill, facing the road, and just starts peeing with no coverage <laughs> whatsoever. Everybody freaks out. We're like, "What are oh, you doing?" Man. Just uh, it, he's kind of an off the wall character. Wow. It, it, yeah, I would. <laughs> that's the way I describe him. He, it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Completely. Huh. Uh, completely off the. Now, Maybe he I, needs to get to know the wall guy. To, they to, probably get along well. To be fair, I don't think. I don't think he's a normal person. I, like, I think that there's something going on up here. Could be. You know what I mean? But anyway, moving on. <laughs> anyway. That, that story that story went way longer than I intended it to. It just reminded me of the guy who um, blamed me for the wall being installed, <laughs> pushed back, and not being torn down, and swears to the high heavens that the Orioles did it so that they could have a reason to leave. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, getting back to the season... It's hard to talk about how we feel about this season because 101 wins for this team is a, a remarkable accomplishment. Remarkable. And they, they are set up for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And, and you have to imagine 
knock on wood, you have to imagine that this team's going to be even better next year. That might not translate to 101 wins yeah. because baseball's a finicky game. But you have to imagine that this team is going to be even better yeah. next year. Jackson Holiday should be here. We should get uh, more exposure to, to Heston Kerstad, um, Grayson Rodriguez, and... and um, uh, Kyle Braddish should be legitimate Cy Young candidates next year. Sure. Um, so you have to imagine that this team is going to be better. Yeah. Um, how do we grade this season? Because you still, even days removed now, and I was over it the next day. You know, the, yeah, that, that, that's how I am with sports. Same. With sports. Like, when, when the Orioles lose, when the Ravens lose, it bothers me for that night. Correct. And then the next day, it happened. I'm the exact same way. Let's move on. I think the only time that I didn't feel that way was when the Ravens went 14-2 and and then lost to the yeah, Titans that in sucked. the most devastating fashion ever. Like, they just got destroyed. And that's the way I feel that the Orioles did. Like, they, they got destroyed across the board for mm-hmm. three games in a row. They just, they had no chance. They, were, they weren't competitive, frankly. And what, what I take away from this is the same thing that I tried to take away from that Ravens game a few years ago. They're going to learn, and they're going to take a lot away from this. They're going to take a lot away from this. Guys like Grayson Rodriguez, uh, guys like Dean Kramer, they're going to learn from their mistakes, their failures here. I think there's a lot you can take away. And as a manager, Brandon Hyde is not to blame for this at all. Not to blame. However, he didn't really manage a great series. He really Mm -hmm. didn't manage great series. So he's going to learn. The players are going to learn. There's a lot of young people on this team that are going to take away a lot of things from this. And that's a very positive takeaway. I had two fears going into the playoffs. And they were two fears that, that, that began when... I really like I believed in June that the Orioles would make the playoffs. But when I believed that they could and would win the division was towards the end of July. Yeah. And uh, I but you knew at that point they're going to the playoffs, yeah. right? And I had two fears. One, all this talk about how they haven't been swept in 91 series and, and it wasn't that number when I first started thinking about this. Th- this is one of those things where it's like, "Oh, they haven't been swept in however many series." And they're going to pl- get what if they get to the playoffs and they get swept yeah. in that first round. That was a thought that went through my head. And the second thought that went through my head was, and I said it on the show, Brandon Hyde does not have playoff experience Correct. as a manager. Yep. And I am nervous that he is going to be overmatched. Yep. I, I, I don't, the word I used originally was exposed. And, and that, that's not fair. It's yeah. not fair to Correct. say somebody's right. exposed. I, I, I agree. Um, but I felt like he was going to be overmatched, and and to me he was. You, you look at you, you bring out you take Bradish out, who's dominating. Yeah. Um, at that point he had really found a rhythm, and yeah, you know, he had given up two two, two runs, two runs yeah, with nine strikeouts in, in, yeah. in four and two thirds. Yeah. You you got to get him through six. He was I think eighty three pitches when he got yeah. pulled. Yeah, it yeah. was eighty three to eighty five. I think it was right in that realm, and and he gets pulled. Which I get the big league managers do that, but when how often have you have you? I mean, the the Tampa Bay Rays lost the World Series because they pulled Blake Snell at like sixty pitches in five, after yeah. five innings yeah. of like no hit ball. Um, so th- there's that. You will never get me, and, and the writers can sit there and they can say Brandon Hyde pushed all the right buttons. I firmly disagree. Pinch hitting Adam Frazier. For Jordan Westberg in the fourth in inning. the fourth inning with yeah. all the lefties in that Texas bullpen, to me that was that was cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, that, that was an unnecessary yeah. move. And Adam Frazier had zero competitive at bats right. in that series. He grounds into a double play. He strikes out. Swing. He gets ahead in the count two zero. 
and then swings at three straight balls to strike out. Yeah. Then he gets ahead, what was it, 3-1, swings at a pitch out of the strike zone and pops out to right field. To me, it was was a knee-jerk reaction. Somebody used the term, he got into panic mode. I don't know that he got into panic mode, but I would in, agree with that. In, in the fourth inning, pinch hitting for your for for Jordan Westbrook that doesn't make any with a guy who's not as good a hitter. And someone said in the in the comments three two. How was that not a competitive game in game one? Well, it wasn't a competitive game because they couldn't hit. They had five hits the entire game, and what th- two of them were by Santander, and then uh, many of them came early in the game. Mm-hmm. After the seventh inning, they did nothing. Yeah, they did absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, so, and, and it's it's three two. Henderson walks to lead off the ninth. You will never convince me. You look at the comments. I believe from, it was a base hit to lead off the ninth. I could was be, it I a think, base hit? I think that was yeah, the Yeah, you're right. That's we, the only hit they got in the back it, half of the game. It was a base hit. He gets on first base, and he gets caught stealing. And yeah. he and he's thrown out by a wide margin, yeah. right? And when you when you show the replay of him stealing, he looked back at home twice. Mm-hmm. He, the, the, the comments that he said were, he said, Brandon Hyde made that call. It was a miscommunication. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And then Brandon Hyde said, um, that was my call. It was a miscommunication. It didn't yeah. work out. And then Aaron Hicks basically said, I have no comment. Didn't like that from Aaron Hicks. Yeah, because but. there's not a doubt in my mind that they put on a hit and run, and he didn't swing. He didn't swing. On a pitch right. that was in the strike zone that was called a ball. It was undoubtedly a hit and run. Yeah. Undoubtedly. The, 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 there is the, the way that Gunner stole that, because he got a decent jump, and he was thrown out by so much, there's no doubt in my mind yeah. that it was a hit and run. And, yeah. and Hicks just didn't swing. In that situation, you've got to put the bat on the ball. Even if you just flick it foul, you live to fight another pitch. Yeah. And instead, you get your guy thrown out at second base, you end up not doing anything, and then the game's over. Huge game changer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Huge it, game it, that was, um, that was a, a pivotal moment in the game and in the series. Yeah. And you find a way to win that ball game, game one, where their pitchers dominated you. I mean, that Texas bullpen is terrible, and they, they, yeah. I mean, game two, they gave up a good bit. By the way, just to finish on the Aaron Hicks comment, this is a guy who's also played in like 38 postseason games in his career. Not a mistake he should have made. Yeah. Not a mistake he should have made at that point. Now, I understand, like, miscommunications happen, but you've been on this team long enough where that shouldn't happen. Yeah. In my opinion, that's you've in a got, playoff game. Mm. You've got to put, with the tying run on first base, and you know he's yeah. on the move, you've got to put the bat on the ball there. Right. You've got to put the bat on the ball. Right. And, and it would be, it, it would be one thing if Gunner just got a bad jump, it was a straight steal, and he was out. It clearly was not a straight steal. Right. Clearly wasn't. Right. Um, and then and then in, in, in Game 3, the, the, dude, they came out lifeless Yeah, in Game Completely 3. lifeless. They came out lifeless. Now, look, you're down one nothing after the first inning. Okay, you're down one nothing, But then you're down 6 nothing before you even get six outs. The, the team just – it looked like they packed it in. And you hate to say that because – Chances are they were just pressing. They were just pressing. Sure. But and Dean Kramer, with everything going on with Israel right now, he pitched for Team Israel. He's he is Jewish. His and parents he, live in Israel. His parents yeah. live in Israel. A lot's on his mind. Sure. There were there were one or two things that could have happened. He goes out there and has a game of his life uh in, in honor of, of Israel. Or he goes out there and he did what he did. Yeah. Um I could tell what Dean Kramer we were getting on the first batter. When he fell behind three one the th- the ball three, when they 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 put the camera on his face as he was getting the ball back from the catcher, and he looked 
disheveled. Yeah. He looked beside himself upset that he was behind 3-1. And I knew right then and there, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. This isn't going to be good. And it wasn't. Um, there's not really much to say about that game. The, the Orioles had one opportunity in the eighth inning. They pinch hit Aaron Hicks with the bases loaded. He grounded out weakly. Yeah. And the game the, that, the game was essentially over at that point. Um, moving to the offseason... We've got some needs. Not we. We're not on the team. The team, ha- the team has some needs. Yeah. We're going to discuss that and more in our second hour with um, Luke Jackson, our, our press box's senior editor. He's going to be coming in to sit in a studio, uh, just like we did last year. At the end of the year, he's going to sit in the entire eleven o'clock hour um, and talk all things Orioles with yep. us as we approach the off season. In the meantime, Stan the Fan Charles will be joining us live here in just a moment. Um, and just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, which is back for season three. Tyus and his special guests will join Glenn and Rita all over town throughout the season, giving you the chance to get it the, to get the inside scoop and rub elbows with your favorite players. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great H Memorabilia, and is brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. For more information, visit PressBoxOnline.com/Bowser. Next Tyus Bowser Show is this Tuesday, October seventeenth, at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Be there. You do not want to miss it. And you do not want to miss this next segment as we are joined live by Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Uh, okay. How are you guys doing? Well, okay is the appropriate terminology. We are okay. Still getting over the sting of the Orioles' playoff performance, Stan. Uh, Orioles, they're swept in the American League Division Series after not being swept since May of 2022. Uh, in your expert opinion, Stan, what went wrong? in that series that caused the Orioles to go home after three games? Well, probably a combination of things. Um, you know, o- overall, I would say that the the the, um, the sitting for six, seven days was probably not beneficial to the Orioles. They probably would have been much better with a two- or three-day layoff. Uh, and I thought they, they proved, you know, the one thing I, I often talk about this second half of the season was was how good they were but how sort of I wondered about their hunger um, and I think the club proved not to be as hungry for a championship as we thought they might be and by hunger I mean having more some more veteran presence on the team um, and, and having suffered through the sting of, of of a loss like this was usually makes teams better. Uh, and I think when you look at the deficiencies on the roster, I think you, you have to, you have to give Mike Elias the benefit of the doubt that he didn't expect the Orioles to be a hundred win team this year and really be thrust into the limelight like that this year. I think they probably were timing things that the club would be much, much better in 2024 mm. than it was in 2022. That I don't think, you know, you don't go into a season with uh, Brian Baker and some of the pe- people, pieces that they have on this team, uh, unless you really think you're ready for prime time. And, and Stan, I didn't put this in the notes, and we haven't talked about it yet. 
But Brian Baker is is a, a great place to start here. Um, he he got demoted after being ineffective at the big league level. He wasn't he didn't do well in AAA, and then somehow finds himself on the Orioles playoff roster and comes in and gives up a big. Well, it was a grand slam that he that he gave up when he came into the game out of the bullpen. Uh, after walking three well, he guys, give, he didn't give he didn't give up the grand slam. Oh he, no, he, he walked he, he, three batters. He, he, Webb gave up the grand slam. That's right. It was Webb that gave up the grand slam, yeah. but Brian Baker came yeah. and walked the three batters, gave up three up, runs. He, he, said, he put he put the fire in motion. <laughs> yeah, he he absolutely yeah. did. It answers uh, Billy Joel's question. That's who started the fire. Is Brian Baker? Um, yeah. So right. so Stan, uh, mm. why was he on the playoff roster to begin with? Is my question. Well, they got. They got thrown off late, um, you know, with Means' injury at the last minute. Um, and they they clearly, I, I think they still feel that Fujinami is, a, is an interesting piece to work with. Uh, and they control him for a couple more years. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they, they temporarily thought that, that trusting him wasn't the best option for the team. Sure. And they thought that Baker in, in short, short roles, one of the things Luke and I often talk about with Baker was if he came in with two or three days rest, he was pretty, pretty dominant. It was when he pitched often, you know, back to back days that his stuff played down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I think they were planning not to use him a whole heck of a lot. And that you know, for two seasons, he had been he had been reasonably decent. Look, he wouldn't have been on my roster. I would have probably of of the options at hand. I'm still a Cole Irvin guy That's compared what to what what we what we had. I probably would have put Irvin on the roster. But again, when you're assembling a roster, you look at Texas's lineup, and it's got an awful lot of right-handed pop to it. You know, yeah. uh, and probably they felt, you know what, Brian Baker can get right-handers out. We, we're running a risk with Cole Irvin. So I think the, the the thing, rather than beat Mike Elias up about those decisions, is let's make better decisions during the offseason where the roster is a little stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, in fairness to Mike Elias, I don't think when March rolled around, I don't think he felt he would be getting nothing out of Michael Givens or nothing out of Dylan Tate. So Fair. there was an attempt, a small attempt, to fortify a bullpen that was very good in 2022. Well, and so let's let's uh, dive into that here a little bit with with regards to the bullpen. You know, Dylan Tate um, is still under team control. Uh, and to be, per to be perfectly honest, Stan, I have no idea uh, what the deal is with Fujinami because he signed a one-year, three-point-two-five million-dollar deal uh, as an international free agent with Oakland, uh, mm -hmm. which would lead me to believe that he would be a free agent at the end of this year. And that was my understanding. Uh, however, if you go to Baseball Reference or anywhere they can show you arbitration eligibility, it states that he's right. not arbitration eligible till 2026, not a free agent till 2029. But that means that the Orioles we'll don't. Have we'll have to find out the real story there. But my feeling was he. He was a first-year rookie in Major League Baseball, and I don't I don't know how that works because it would drop his salary. They wouldn't have to pay him more than seven hundred and forty thousand dollars next year in his uh, as a pre pre arbitration that's eligible a, player. A, 
It's interesting. So we'll have to find out the uh, the true status of Shintaro for Konami. And I've been looking for it since they traded for him. I read it. I read it that I read it that they had control over him. Look, I you know I think he's a he's a wild card one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's back with us. By the way, did you guys end up? Did either of you watch the the Stanford? Colorado game last night. I did not. I saw. I heard. I read about it this I morning. Turned it off. I turned it off. It was twenty-nine to nothing, Colorado in the third. Right at halftime. At half. At the half. Stanford came back with forty-six points to beat them in double overtime, forty-six to forty-three. I'm really pretty shocked uh, by that. They had a wider. They had a wide receiver who had zero catches in the first half and 13 catches for 294 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. They wow. blew their doors off in the wow. second half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but no, no so, anyway. so with, the, with the Orioles, talking about their bullpen, um, you know, yeah. J- Jacob Webb is still under team control. Dylan Tate's still under D- team control. Danny Coulomb's here. Um, you know, you're not going to have Felix Bautista next year. You're going to have Cano. Uh, and Cole Irvin is under team control. What are the Orioles going like? How do you see them approaching this offseason from a bullpen standpoint? Do you see them maybe trying to to get somebody that can handle the back end in Felix? Uh, um, while Felix is is recovering from Tommy John surgery, or do you think they go yeah. in house? Well, the the options cropped up. I mean, the the bullpen overall, the the late inning bullpen wasn't wasn't what did the Orioles in, you know, was that, that middle stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting to the bridge, the bridge people really screwed up the uh, mightily. Uh, I look, you know, from talking to me, we talk every week during the year that I was a Tyler Wells bullpen guy. Yep. Okay. I thought, I thought that Tyler Wells was better suited to the bullpen because of issues relating to durability, not his, not his quality of performance. I just thought he would break down, which he did. It's very interesting. Glenn and I had on uh, John Smoltz yesterday, and he thinks Tyler Wells is a starter and they should not waste him in the bullpen, that he's a starter. So we'll see what way they're thinking. But to me, uh, while I greatly respect John Smoltz a lot more because he actually did what I'm talking about, you know, was convert late in his career to a bullpen guy to extend his career and was a top-notch closer. He knows a lot about pitching, and he thinks that Wells would, would be a waste as a, uh, you know, a late-inning guy. But to me, it starts with Wells and Cano and, uh, and D.L. Hall and possibly Fuji in there. Obviously, Coulomb is going to be on the team, an important part of the bullpen. Chanel Perez is there. You know, I don't think you have to have one set closer. It's mm-hmm. it's great to have somebody like Felix Bautista, but I don't know that you, you should be going out to chase somebody like that. But would I would I be interested in adding somebody like a Trevor May on a one year contract? Yeah. You know, I think they need to fortify. They need that Brian Baker, Jake Webb duo needs to be better talent. Okay, and we'll hope that Dylan Tate is available. Uh, I, I have no idea, really. I can't even remember what his injury was and why they thought it was only going to be like you know a month or two. I think it was a flexor mass strain, up. right? With his elbow, yeah. a flexor mass strain, I believe. Okay. 
But, I, I, I don't I don't know much about coming back from that injury. I really don't. So uh, I guess they can't count on him. But you know they need to get better than Brian Baker and yeah. Jake Webb. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Now, um, Stan, we'll, we'll talk more about this. Uh, we'll talk more about this roster here in just a minute. Uh, I, we did start off talking about how the Orioles had that five day layoff in between games, uh, which probably hurt them more than it helped them. And you look at the top five records in baseball, Stan. The the Braves had 104 wins. Orioles had 101. Dodgers 100. <sighs> Rays at 99, and the Milwaukee Brewers at 92. Those five teams combined to go 1-13 and in the playoffs. Orioles, Braves, and Dodgers all lost in the ALDS. The Rays and the yep. Brewers were swept in the wild card series. There's a lot of people saying that they don't agree with this playoff format. Are you one of those people who thinks that, th- that these teams were hurt by the fact that they sat for five days? I, I think baseball is a, is a very different ball game. <laughs> no pun intended. It, it's, a, it's a different ball game. I do think that probably five, five and a half days is probably a little too much, but I, I really haven't thought this through how I'd like to see it uh, reshaped. You know, um, I think John Smoltz thinks maybe it's turning this, this, this division round into a seven game series, you mm-hmm. know, to give the teams a, a little bit better chance, the better teams, a little bit better, a little bit more bang for their buck of having finished way in front of, you know, we're talking in the case of the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, what the Phillies were 14 games behind the Braves yep, and the um, Diamondbacks were probably 16 games behind the Dodgers. Yep. You know, I think that, I think the scale should be weighted a little bit more toward the, uh, the teams that are better, you know? Yeah. I, I, there's there's only two way, two ways that you could really well three I guess you'd either have to expand to eight teams which is ridiculous for the playoffs um, or go you go back to a one wild wild card game to give and yeah, then, I'm not in favor of the one I, I don't I neither just don't am I. like the one wild card yeah. it doesn't feel I, like I the playoffs like... doesn't feel like the playoffs it, it, and it's, then, it's very hard to sell to fans and, and teams that you can go 162 games and then lose in one game. That yeah. doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. It doesn't. Yeah. But uh, I think that maybe uh, going to a seven-game series or the division series is the best option that they have um, because uh, I, I was talking. And maybe you maybe you wait the uh, home the home team in those seven-game series. Maybe the, the the better team gets the first three games, then it's two-two. So something there's something you win for being the best record in baseball. And and John Smoltz did allude to the fact that this will it'll be much better when we have thirty two teams rather than thirty. You know yeah. that it will. Until eventually, it'll be more teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and if if they do that, if they do expand to eight teams in the playoffs, then you don't really have a need to have anybody have a bye. Everybody just plays, right? You know, which right. I think would be the best solution. But you got to get more teams in the league before you can put more teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah. I never really thought about the format because at the end of the day. You just have to go out there and play baseball. But having that five-day layoff and seeing what it's done to the best teams in the league this past, the last two years since they changed the format, yeah, you can't two, ignore. And it's two years. Yeah, it's two years. Uh, I would. I don't know that they'll knee-jerk and change it next year, but I think if if there was a repeat of this, I think you'd see substantial changes by twenty. Uh, by twenty six, you know, twenty five. Do you think it de incentivizes? They might by that time they may know 
where they're going to go with expansion. Yeah, you know? they, they, they they very well could. Now, Stan, do you think it de-incentivizes teams to try to win their division? Because if you win if you win the, the uh, top wild card spot, the top two wild card spots, you have a home game um, for three. You have three straight home games. If you're the the top seed yeah. in the wild card, you have three straight home games like the Phillies had, and then you you can keep rolling. You can take that momentum and take it into the next series. My stepdad is a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. He's saying that he's glad they didn't win the division because they got to play all their games at home and they right. got to get hot. Right. Uh, it's it's a tricky thing, you know. You start trying to thread that needle of not winning the division, you know, and be cute about it. You know, what would you do? Use Brian Baker as a starter in a big <laughs> game, or so? I mean, yeah. not to not to puncture him again. I it, that that's not really what you want. No, you want you them know, to try. I think you want to have have incentive. Uh, and one of the other things they could do right now is reseed the teams, you know, so you, so you have different matchups in the earlier round, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would probably help a little bit. I think reseeding would be smart, too. I think that seeing the yeah. two, teams with the two best records playing in the ALDS or the NLDS probably shouldn't happen. They should probably be the two teams playing to go to the World Series. Um, so I would agree with yeah. reseeding as well. In other sports, I, I think hockey does that, too. D- don't they reseed? Um, once I it, think they started reseeding in hockey a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think that that's that that's yeah, smart. Now, Stan, we're still, in hockey doesn't in hockey doesn't every team make the playoffs? It, it, it seems that way. It, it seems, seems that way. way yeah. yeah, that and them in the except NBA. the Caps. Except the Caps this year. Yeah, that, I, they're I, not going to be very good. Yeah, and know. there there are regular season awards in, in hockey, which is something. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Stan, we're still a few weeks away from the start of the offseason and the start of free agency. In Michael Elias' press conference the other day, he was very careful to not make any polarizing statements such as lift off from here. Um, he said it was the first day of the offseason, so we wouldn't comment on any potential moves. Uh, we talked about the bullpen. Uh, what other moves does this team need to make, and do you anticipate a far more active and flashier offseason than what we saw last year? Um... I would expect that the team will, I, I think the team will look around for the right starting pitcher if that person exists. You know, I think they've got, and I asked the question at the press conference that, you know, I said, Brandon, we haven't really had an ace on this pitching staff. And I said, with all due respect to Chris Stillman, who was very good. He was a really solid number two starter. Mm-hmm. I said, we haven't had a real number one since Messina, you know, left the team in 2000 after the 2000 season. I said, are we there yet with Bradish? And he was very thoughtful in his answer. And he said, he can be, you know, uh, and he also gave the possibility that in his estimation, Grayson can be a, a, yep. a one type of pitcher. He said, but they're not there yet. So mm-hmm. if, if your manager thinks that, you got to think that while Brandon is very careful never to cross that line to, to start talking about who we should get publicly, you know, to put pressure on his general manager, you you know when there's meetings, there there's going to be talk about who could we get that's like the equivalent, of, and uh, it's ironic I'm using his name, like a Charlie Morton, you know, mm-hmm. somebody – that and I'm not willing to that the I'm not sure the Orioles are willing to pay twenty million dollars for one year at a time of a pitcher right now, mm-hmm. um, but but they might be, uh, you know, if the right guy is out there. 
you know, I look around at potential free agents. I wonder, would you would you be interested in Clayton Kershaw that at was, one year? That was the first name. Million dollars? That was the first name that came that? to my. That was the first name that came to my mind while you were just before you even yeah. asked me. Is Clayton Kershaw? My my, yeah. I would one hundred percent be interested in it. My, my one uh, problem there is I don't think if he's not pitching in Texas or L.A., I don't think he's pitching anywhere. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. That's that's. Yeah. But, but I would take him in a heartbeat. I, absolutely, I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. I I think if he looks around at what's going on in Baltimore and the stadium, that there might be some interest. I, you know, I, again, he's not the only guy. There'll be there'll be a half a dozen of the guys that we're kind of talking about. You know, one of the guys last year I would have really been interested in was Nathan Evaldi. Me too. You know, that's who I, I wanted to. Was really, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll take a look at all the free agents. I I gave a glance. The one the one pitcher that jumped up to me, and I'd be curious. I did this on the show yesterday, and Glenn guessed ten million dollars. What do you think Kenta Maeda makes a year? Um, Kenta Maeda probably more than that. I think yeah. he I think he probably makes. Um, I'll go like seventeen. I, I, million. I, I, I'll go fourteen fifteen million a year. Okay. How about if I told you? these last six years. Now, I don't remember what kind of contract he signed. He's making $3.2 million a year. Really? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look that's... it up on, on baseball. He's, he's, under, he's uh, underpaid you know. then. Yeah. He's underpaid. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. He's, he's underpaid. Now, he's 35 now, 36. But, boy, wouldn't he be a perfect six-starter if, you know, if means really can't go to the post or – do what he did a lot of times with uh, Minnesota this year. Be sort of that swing man that really can come in and get you three three innings in a game where your starter is not very good. That's, you know, that's, pitch 140 innings rather than 180, and you and maybe you maybe you get him like on a three year, 27 million dollar contract at the age he's at. You know, you you insure him a good chunk of money, but you you try and hit him with a low annual figure, you know? Yeah. So he's one player that immediately caught my eye. Um, I, I'm sure Minnesota will make an effort to sign him, but um, it's hard for a team like Minnesota to say, Hey, we'll go to pay him 10 or $12 million when they've, they're in a very similar situation. The Orioles they are going to have guys making more money, you know, next year that they have to pay. Yeah. So, um, he, he was a name that jumped out at me because I think his quality of performance is pretty darn good. If you look at his second half when he got back from the injury, he had one bad start, and his other nine or ten appearances, I think his ERA was in the mid-twos. Wow. So he's somebody I look at. Uh, CBS listed the top 25 free agents, and even though – there's an option there at $13.4 million for Justin Turner in Boston. They have him listed as a free agent. I'd still be very interested in uh, Justin Turner. And that brings me to, to the next point. I, I was looking at Justin Turner, too. Um, last yeah. year, we wanted uh, uh, my my two biggest needs for the Orioles was a legitimate veteran middle of the order bat and a legitimate starting mm-hmm. pitcher. I wanted I wanted somebody like a Nathan Navaldi or a Chris Bassett, and I wanted J D Martinez. Instead, we got Kyle Gibson and we got Adam mm-hmm. Frazier. 
Uh, J.D. Martinez yep. for $11 million this past season hit 33 homers and drove in 103 for the Dodgers. Yep. And I think he would have fit perfectly into the Orioles' uh, middle of the order. Do they need to go out and get that middle-of-the-order veteran presence that actually uh, imposes fear uh, on the opposing pitcher? Because right now, as it, I think Gunner is the only guy that does that in this lineup. Yeah, it, it's not so much that he imposes fear. I, I, I wondered about this team when I said, how hungry they were. Who was the who was the real leader on this team? I know everybody says Adley is, and it's clear that uh, Gunner's going to be uh, an alpha dog. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no question about that. But who was the guy that was sort of like what Frank Robinson was to the '66 Orioles, what Nelson Cruz was to the 2014 Orioles? The guy that's been there, who's been tested. None of our guys had been tested, playoff tested. You know, yeah. Maybe you can make the argument for Aaron Hicks, but he ain't that guy. That's what I was going to say. Aaron Hicks played in like 38 Hicks, playoff games for the Yankees, but he's not that yeah, guy. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. Um, you know, and, and Hicks was a very good acquisition by uh, Elias. You know, when you compare what it looks like Kerstad, Kowser would have done the second, or McKenna, would have done this, you know, the second half of the year when we picked up Hicks. Mm-hmm. Hicks turned out to be pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of thinking who's going to try and parlay this into making some decent money on like a two-year contract. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm giving him, you know, seven million dollars a year no. or something like that for two years. Uh, too much injury risk with him. Uh, so I look around. And uh, those were the two names that jumped out at me as guys that could help the team. Um, I just love Jason, uh, Justin Turner, what he could, what he could bring to the team. Me too. And Sam, just to add your point and, earlier, do you, do you think O'Hearn's that guy? If Hicks isn't the guy, maybe maybe it's O'Hearn. But then again, he didn't really show up in the playoffs either. I, I'm I'm not worried about O'Hearn whether he showed up in the playoffs. I think we saw. The, the regression to the mean, although it came at the worst possible time, you know, the last 50 at-bats of his season. I expect him to be back, but he's not a guy that I've got down in my mind as a difference maker. I know I've told you the story many, many times about a guy like Jim Dwyer on the Orioles back in the in the mid-'80s, and everybody would always clamor, why doesn't he play Jim Dwyer more? Look at how he hits when he gets in as a – pinch hitter or a once-in-a-while start, and all of a sudden you get an injury and Jim Dwyer plays for three weeks. And after eight days, he didn't do anything because he was Jim Dwyer. He wasn't (laughs) meant to be an everyday player. You know, and my fear is that we got got the best of of Ryan O'Hearn. And I'm not saying that disqualifies him from being back on the team because he's certainly an inexpensive piece. And I'm not saying he's a, a piece of nothing, you know, uh, but I don't think I want to count on him, uh, you know, over over a tried and true guy like a Turner, even though he's 38 years old, or J.D. Martinez, that that really put up numbers, you know, for the long haul of their careers. Well, yeah, so I, I think they need I think they need a guy like that. And when you start asking me, who would probably go? I would probably put a package together, even though uh, we loved the way he came back from his vertigo. Uh, the, the Ryan Mountcastle that I always see is the Ryan Mountcastle I see saw in the postseason. 
just striking out when the going gets tough. And veteran pitchers kind of toy with him, in my estimation. Uh, I think he's too easy and out for my lineup uh, for, for a productive person, you know, where you need a productive person. Yeah, I- so I'd be more inclined to be playing Satander at first, you know, um, or Kerstad at first, see what they can do and bring in this veteran type of bat. You know, you can't, you can't just acquire a veteran guy that you're going to pay 10 or 12, $14 million and then just go, now where are we going to play them? Mm-hmm. got to think about it. So the sequence to me is open up a slot for somebody for Mountcastle. And Mountcastle will, will probably retrieve a good chunk of value if he's thrown together with a, you know, a trade. Uh, with a prospect or two involved, you might be able to get that pitcher we're talking about or that offensive player that we're talking about. Yeah, you you might be. And, uh, you know, I don't hate the idea of Mountcastle still being here um, if he's hitting lower in the order. I hate the idea of him batting fourth for the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with you. If he's here, he's like a seven-hitter. Right, I, gotta, I can so, live with so that. Still means, it still means you've got to get better somewhere. You know, right now, do you I think? I don't know where that. I don't know where that hole is. You know, and I did. I do want to mention this because I know we're probably running up on time. Mm-hmm. I did ask Hyde a question, which I thought was a little bit of a curveball. I said, you know, most most managers in baseball, when you made the decision to kind of move on from Mateo as your shortstop and start playing Gunner more over there, I said an awful lot of managers, and I really meant fans were of the opinion that, okay, release Mateo. He's no good, you know. I said, you kind of took the other approach. You kept him alive, you know, and saw a role for him and a value. Do you still see that? And he spoke glowingly of Mateo. And his view of his defense, which I think we'd all agree, took a step back. He even brought up what I've been saying, unsolicited by me. He just said, I think some of his lack of sharpness was his dropping from being a, a day-to-day player to playing, you know, more like two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't as sharp. And I think there are things you can do to to work on him being sharper that way, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree. And I, I think that there is a place for a guy like Jorge Mateo on any team, but you have to go into the season yeah. with the mindset that, He's not a guy who starts four or five times a week. He's a guy who's a late-inning defensive replacement and a pinch runner for you who gets a spot start here. I think mostly mostly it's the pinch running thing that he can do. And also, he did show this year against left-handers, he did hit very well. Yeah, he did. did. I don't know the exact numbers, but Brandon mentioned it too. He said he really, you know, and I'm not saying he plays every time a left-hander plays, and he doesn't play over Gunnar Henderson. He plays with him. But I was glad that they still see value in him. Um, You know, and a team that's going to suddenly be bursting at the seams with arbitration players moving up and you're deciding, do we keep Hayes, do we keep Mullins, do we keep Santander? Having a guy like him who's going to probably make like $5 million next year rather than, than, uh, you know, 12 or 14, you know, it makes it an easier decision to make. Uh, his his numbers were staggeringly better versus left-handed pitching this year. He slashed 276, 329, 417, 746 against left-handed yep. pitching 
this year. All of them almost 100 points higher than every other than every other category versus right-handed pitching. He was significantly and, you know, better. I know they dropped that experiment real quick with him in the outfield when he made that one horrible play. Yeah. But he also made one play that same game that no other outfielder would have probably gotten to. You know, yeah, I I think uh, that he he can be a jack of all trades if they if they go into the season yeah. with that mindset instead of having to do it on the yeah. on the fly. You know, and before yeah. we let you go, Stan, you mentioned arbitration. Um, Anthony Santander is due to get a raise to over twelve and a half million dollars this year through arbitration. Uh, is that a guy that you think the Orioles are going to keep around and pay? Is he an extension candidate, or do you think he's more, now more than ever a trade candidate when you consider the fact that they've got Kerstad and Kowser, uh coming through the wings? I think he's a little bit of all of the, all of the above, you know. I mean, I I would think that they would they would be it would be pretty risky to just move on from him this year because he's going to make twelve. Mm-hmm. To me, where you might want to move on from him is if he if he ends up earning where he's a seventeen to nineteen million dollar player. That would mean he'd have an incredibly big season mm-hmm. next year, you know. A thirty home run, ninety plus RBI season, and a three twenty five, three thirty on base percentage. But again, it it I, I really like Santander, and he became much more than I thought he would be after like his second year when his on base percentage was roughly two ninety to two ninety five. Mm-hmm. He's really worked hard at understanding what he has to do, and uh, I'm not saying he's going to ever be what Justin Turner or JD are in terms of on base percentage. Uh, that's too big a climb for him in my opinion. Um, but I think he can, he can be, be a steady contributor. Uh, and, and I love his presence in the clubhouse. Yeah, he seems like you know? a great guy, like a great guy. Now I, I will yeah. tell you, Stan, before we let you go, that the season you just described for Santander is a season he's coming off of. 28 homers, 95 RBIs, and a 325 on base percentage. That's yeah. He had that year this year, and basically last year I think his own base percentage was like 318, but the homers and RBIs were there again last year also. Um, he might be that player after after this coming season, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, look, and that's why I say they will certainly, they will certainly weigh carefully uh, what they want to do with uh, Santander. It's not an automatic. He'll be back. But I also don't think twelve million is a, a bank breaker. You know, they've got to be past that point where where yeah. twelve and a half million makes them bat an eye and and do something. And they've got to be past that point at this point with this franchise. Sam, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, got a uh, discussion with Ross and Luke. We'll take a look at where the playoffs stand on Monday at about uh, four fifteen, and then I'm taping another interview with a writer that will be taking part uh his name is buck davidson not buck showalter <laughs> buck davidson who will ride in the uh maryland five star oh excellent excellent well we will look forward I to that want to throw out i just want to throw out one other thing again if you sign up at superbook.com uh superbooksports.com uh use the promo code stan charles 23 or if you like glenn better than me use glenn clark 23 uh, and you get a $250 first bet bonus, uh, win or lose, um, from Superbook Sports by using the promo code Stan Charles 23 Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We'll be sure to, to, 
to plug that for you for sure throughout the show. Sam, thank you okay. so much. We will talk to you next week. All right, all right. guys. All right. The sun comes out tomorrow. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, we'll see all you next week. Take bye. care. Now, with Stan the Fan, Charles, who continues his weekly baseball shows throughout the playoffs and offseason. Every Monday night, Stan is joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the Birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Every Saturday, Stan's on our show from 1025 to just about 11. Uh, And this week, Stan and Gary caught up with Maryland five-star cross-country course builder Tyson Rementer. You can find the shows live at facebook.com slash pressbox.com or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. we got to get a break. When we come back in, maybe a little bit of Orioles banter, maybe a little bit of sounding off, and then Luke Jackson, our senior editor over here at PressBox, he'll join us for the second hour. That's next on the Bat Around. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code PRESSBOX23. So bet with the best and use promo code PRESSBOX23 this football season with Superbook. Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and A.J. Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life. Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. 
quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. And we're back. Welcome back to the, that was a old Jimmy Fallon skit from SNL. I love Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, if Jimmy you if you go watch the best of Jimmy Fallon, I think they have two of them. The first one's really good. The second one, uh, same thing with Will Ferrell. The first ones are really good. The second one's not. So I love good. the the classic uh, Christmas skit where he does he does it with uh, Tracy Morgan. And they're. Oh, and I they're, wish they're, it was Christmas dancing. today. Yeah, they're, yeah, and they're dancing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. That, that's that's very funny. And with Horatio Sands too. Yeah. Uh, today's show. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Battle Round today brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, and you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, I want to address. Want to address something. Um. We are very happy with the way that the Orioles' season went as far as winning 101 games, winning your division, announcing your presence with authority, and making everybody realize that good baseball is back in Baltimore for the long haul, Undoubtedly. We, we, we think. We are very excited about that. We have every right to not be excited about how they played in the postseason. Yeah. They, they crapped the bed. It's fair criticism. It, it like, is. It's, it's, they, it's fair. The, the, I'm not going to come in here, and if you follow me on Twitter... I'm not all rainbows and sunshine about this team. <laughs> you were definitely not. You know, now I'm not nearly as negative as people think I am, and I was far more positive this year than I was last year. And I mm-hmm. let Brandon, I, I, I gave Brandon Hyde a fair shake this season, and I agree he should win Manager of he the should. Year. Absolutely, right? that does not mean that he is immune to criticism. Right. In the postseason, he made some poor moves in the postseason. Undoubtedly. Did he lose the game for his team? Probably not. No. Probably no. not. But that's, we can take the probably out of that. He didn't no. lose games for his team. He didn't help them win games either, in my opinion. And that's fair. He's never been there before. Yeah. To expect right. Brandon Hyde to come in there and, and teach a master class on managing right. in his first postseason ever, you think those guys are nervous? He's just as nervous. Those weren't the expectations. Right. Those weren't. I and, mean, and we didn't put that out there. You've so. got to be realistic about this. And yeah. you also have to be realistic about the fact that Brandon Hyde is in a position a few other managers are ever allowed to be in. Yeah. He was a manager that was brought in to oversee a rebuild, and he got to stick around to reap the, the fruits of his labor. Right. right. 
He's in a position that that other managers they aren't given that opportunity. Right. So to think that a he's going to come out there and be manager of the year, Brandon High in the playoffs, probably unrealistic. And to think that he's not going to learn from this, just like the players are, and get better next year. That would be unrealistic, too. The fact that Brandon Hyde is going to win manager of the year is a completely separate fact from what he did in the playoffs and every, and the way Correct. he managed. It's completely separate. And frankly, the 100-win the season is separate from that, too. We are thrilled, beyond thrilled in ball. Everyone is. I mean, how could you not be with 101 wins? Playoff baseball is back in ball. We're thrilled with it. We're still happy. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here very happy about that. But the fact is, is that... We're just trying to factually cover what happened in the playoffs, yep. and what factually happened in the playoffs is they got beat badly. Yeah, they got they were completely they were and, outmatched and they were outcoached. Yeah, and, in the post, and Bruce Bochy is he's a potential Hall of Fame and, manager and, and, for a reason. And maybe Ryan and I should have delved into that a little more last week with with Bruce Bochy versus Brandon Hyde. We didn't really get into that, mm-hmm. but it's a great point. Bruce Bochy has won World Series before. He's done this. Yeah, the, the guy has managed in probably I don't know thirty postseason games at least at the mm-hmm. minimum. The guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and he outmanaged Brandon Hyde, and that's not crazy to say. That's not unexpected. It's not either. crazy to say, and it, and it doesn't mean that we don't respect the job that's been done. Absolutely, it doesn't mean, it doesn't yeah. mean that we're doom and gloom here. The fact of the matter is, we're sitting here on a dreary, cold, rainy Saturday morning where we we expected the Orioles to be preparing for the ALCS, and instead they're already back to where they to where they came from. Right, and that's that's the fact of the matter. Glenn Glenn Clark posted this the other night. Does your disa- how do you, how do you compare your disappointment for the way this season ended to your hope for the future? And my hope for the future far outweighs any disappointment for what happened at in the playoffs for the Orioles. I'll tell you right now like I said to Zach at the beginning of the show, I got over the playoff loss by the next morning. I don't let this stuff linger. There's there are very few sporting events in my entire life that I have let linger. I'm with right? you. The I'm 1997 with you. ALCS still cuts me to my core. That that 1997 ALCS, in fact, the Mike Mussina in two starts through 15 innings struck out 25 and gave up one run and they lost both of those games. I will never get over that. Yeah, that fair and, enough. and by the way, Omar Vizquel fouled that bunt off. It was not a wild pitch. It was a foul ball. You go back and watch that tape a hundred times. If you don't think that it was a foul ball, you're a Cleveland Indians fan. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll I'll never get over that. I will. I also the only reason I was able to get over it was because they won the Super Bowl the next year. The Billy Cundiff miss and the Lee Evans drop. A- in, AJ just said that in the AFC Championship yeah, game. That, one stung for I, a while. that was the only. That was the only sporting event in my entire life where I actually almost threw up. I act. I was. I, yeah. I was. Forced I to agree work. With that. <laughs> I was forced to work on my day off at a restaurant uh, because I just started there. I was supposed to have the day off, and the guy who was training me was supposed to was supposed to be working. And he got he ended up leaving, not not working to go watch that game with friends. So they forced me to work for him, mm. um, which I had no choice in the matter. So I'm standing in an empty restaurant. It was Ruth's Chris down in down in the city. I'm standing in an empty in an empty restaurant. Watching that entire AFC game, I had one table that entire day, and they tipped me five dollars on a hundred dollar oh, check. Geez. By the way, um, and I watched him miss that kick, and I went into the kitchen, and I had to like crouch down and catch my breath. I almost threw up. Like I almost <laughs> threw up. Those are like the two things in Baltimore sports history that I was that like that lingered. This loss, I didn't think they were. <sighs> 
I hate to say it out loud, but I didn't think the Orioles were going to the World Series this year. They're young, they're inexperienced, and I knew that their pitching, as good as I believe their pitching can be, I didn't think that they had enough experience yet to, to make that run. Agreed. But to say that we shouldn't criticize a team or that we should be all rainbows and butterflies about this team, we're very, very excited for the future. Extremely. Doesn't negate the fact that they played piss-poor baseball in the postseason. And with that, we want to welcome in... <laughs> This guy never has piss poor performances. He is our senior editor for Press Box. He is Luke Jackson. Senior. That's the first time I've been called a senior editor. Senior. I like that, I like that better than manager. I thought editor. that was your title. I like Did that. I get that no, wrong? No, I, I like that better. No, technically it's managing editor, but I like senior. Manage, manage, managing editor. editor. I, Manage, oh, I didn't put that Senior managing editor. Yeah. Ooh, I like that too. Senior managing editor. you got to ask Stan for a new title, I think. Oh. It's, it's got to change it up. Ask the senior for the senior yeah, title. Right, there no. you go. Um, oh, man, was that was that rude? I didn't mean that for yeah, that Probably. It was just a joke. No, no. Uh, so my biggest gut punch loss, freshman at Maryland, uh, the Corey Lucius game, probably in the moment. That or the Billy Cundiff game, which really was the Lee Evans game for me. Yeah. But uh, that Maryland team, my freshman year, 09-10, was going to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were going to play Duke in the Final Four. Uh, so, and I was too young, really, to have uh, too much awareness of the Final Four loss to Duke. Mm-hmm. But I know you were talking about Baltimore sports history, but... Maryland, I'm, Maryland che- I'm cheating a little bit here, but the Corey Lucius game, that was... Because, like... I, like Gary was still going strong, and I was so into that team because I was at Maryland. I was at every game, the whole nine yards, and uh, they had come back from, like, down 10 or 12, uh, like, with, I think it was, like, in the final TV timeout segment, and Gravis played his his best basketball of his entire career to get Maryland in a position to win that game, and that was just, it was devastating. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely devastating, Um, and it really caused a little bit of a, a ripple effect about you know in the you know the future of the program because if they go to the final four I wonder if Gary just goes out on a high note and you know maybe they get a better coach coming off of a final four like a uh, better coach than Turgeon so um I, so that was that for me in the moment I, I just remember like sinking to the ground when that mm ball went in now, but you're anyway gonna, you're gonna have to forgive me for this Corey lucius i'm not familiar with the name and i probably should michigan be. state I was, I was gonna say was this a michigan state yeah and game? and he was like kicked off of the team for something he did something stupid he got kicked off the team like a year later really yes yeah that, that, that and there and there was like it was the play was like impossible like i think it was draymond green was on that team and it was like a pass to draymond and he like ducked mm-hmm. out of the way of the pass so they could go to Corey Lewis. Like when the guy ducked, like how when does that ever happen? Right. Uh, anyway, so that's well. That's I remember over- my dad and I had had plans to play golf that day uh, before we knew that Maryland was in that position. So we we're p- p- paying attention to the game on on my phone. Um, looking at the game cast, and I'm watching the Maryland's winning, Maryland's winning, and then I see the Michigan State hit a buzzer beater. And I was on the golf course, not watching, just watching the game cast, and it, my, my heart sank. Mm-hmm. For me, with regards to Maryland, it was the 2000-2001 team that was in the Final Four yep. against Duke, yep. and they were up 22 at halftime, yep. and they lost by 11. How old were you? I was a junior in high school. Okay, so you were, yeah, I was not, you know, really, I don't even, I don't know if I was watching, I was like, 
nine or ten years old yeah. at the time. So yeah, I, and so but I was very aware of like the title run the next mm-hmm. year. So very similar to the Billy Cundiff game. Yeah. They bounce back and, and, and use see, that as motivation, I guess. For me, with the Maryland game, um, when they lost that final four game to Duke, it sucked. I remember, I watched that game by myself at my dad's house I, it, because I was waiting for like every, everybody was out doing something. I was a kid. I had just gotten to my dad's house and nobody was home yet. So I'm watching it by myself. And I remember thinking, this really sucks. This, they were up by 22 at halftime. How do you, 33 point swing in the second half. And then I thought to myself, they're going to be back next year. There was not a doubt in my mind that they were mm. going to be back next year. So it took some of that sting away. It was the same thing with the Ravens. That that loss sucked. I felt physically ill because mm-hmm. of it. And then I saw Ray Lewis's locker room speech, and I thought to Amazing. myself, this, Amazing. it was incredible. It was absolutely phenomenal. And and I sat there, and I thought to myself, this team's winning the Super Bowl next year. There wasn't a doubt in my mind. And it's happening. funny because the 11 team was a lot better for me than the 12 team. The, the, the 12 20, team got hot. Mm-hmm. But I thought the 11 team was the most complete team. No, no, no. The, 2010 the first 2011. Or, either the first or second most complete team of the Harbaugh era, with the other one being 2019, which was a devastating loss for a whole other reason. Yeah. Uh, because it wasn't like a gut punch moment in the game. Mm-hmm. But It was the same thing that plagued them this past Sunday. <laughs> it wow. was um, just... I, they've been chasing that ever since that when you think about the Lamar Jackson era, mm-hmm. you think about the missed opportunity with the Tennessee game. Yep. That's what you really think about in terms of postseason. that, you know, they had it all lined up that year. Uh, and, you know, statistically the best team of the Harbaugh era, probably statistically the best team Ravens team ever in the regular season, certainly the best offensive team. And they just play, play like poop. Yeah, they, they well, they, it was just just like last Sunday. They dropped seven passes in that game, yeah. and yeah. Uh, the, the first one was the Mark Andrews tip that went for an interception when they were driving on their very yeah. first drive of the game. The Ravens, if the Ravens don't turn the ball over there, if Andrews comes down with that ball, they probably score a touchdown. At least get three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then sure. you also think about the fact Seth Roberts would have had a sixty-yard he, he touchdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, that's right, yep. right, right through his bread basket. Right, and then you think about the catch that Marquise Brown did make. Where he caught it between like eight guys with one best hand. catch of his Ravens career. Yeah, and you're you're like, how does he catch that? And, they and Seth d- Roberts drops that, and they don't punch it in. Yeah, and so I think, uh, well, I forget what the score was, but they needed to punch that in. They didn't. And yeah, so, they lost by two scores. Yeah, and, and and everybody was like, oh, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar sucks. Put up 508 yards of total offense by himself. Oh yeah, he that- was he had he was it was one of the best performances of his entire career, and. The, the, his his receivers let him down. Same thing that happened last Sunday. He was the highest graded uh, position player in all of football last yeah. week, and they lost a game because his, his receivers dropped seven passes, including three touchdowns. Yeah, that, that Titans loss in nineteen was just something else. So mm-hmm. like, everyone expected them to win the Super Bowl. Like there was nobody who didn't think they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. They were just unbelievable across the board. The, the, I've never felt the city like that either. I thought Baltimore City that year. Felt different to me than almost any other Ravens year. That's you maybe, don't recall 2006. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, my that's time. a good. That's before that's my time. 2006. That's a good in, one. In my opinion, is the greatest Ravens team to ever set foot on the field. I really? disagree. That that team that defense scored like nine touchdowns. They were stupid good. The offense the offense wasn't spectacular, but they were everything that they needed to be. And Steve McNair was everything that they needed in a quarterback for mm-hmm. that season. That team was thirteen and three. They should have gone to the Super Bowl. They held. The Peyton Manning team that threw for, that where he threw fifty freaking touchdowns that year. Peak they Peyton held that Manning team. Colts. Peak yeah. Peyton Manning Colts. His best season before ever, but aside from the, the 
second to last year with um, mm. uh, Denver. They held that team to five field goals. Yeah. In the in the divisional round of the playoffs, they held that team to five field goals and they lost that game fifteen to six. That yeah. was a that was a gut punch loss. That's a yeah. good one. Uh, also, yeah. the uh, uh, Raul Banyan's game. In the Bronx, that's that's. I don't remember me, that one too well either. That that for me is maybe Nate McLeod the, hit the foul pole. Uh, the toughest loss Nate for me as an Orioles fan was that Raul Banyas game because that was a very you know for, you know in terms of the Yankees teams of that era that was mm-hmm. a pretty meh Yankees team that was a beatable Yankees team. Um, and CC Sabathia started that game, correct? No, he it started wasn't? games one and five. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and he was he was the reason why they won that series. Got it. They they, they, they had CC's bad, and the yeah. Orioles didn't. Ibanez, um, the Ibanez home run. Wasn't, he pinch hit for a rod. Yeah, <laughs> the Ibanez the Ibanez home run wasn't this wasn't the game five loss. It that wasn't, wasn't the game. It was, okay. the, same it was, the, loss it was where, the game three loss where the Orioles would have gone up two one, uh, and they ended up winning game four. And this was a year when they tried a two three format. So. Which I actually thought was an advantage, more of an advantage than two two one, where the lower seed hosted the first two games, and I'm guessing this was to try to eliminate an off day to move along the playoffs or whatever, and then the higher seed hosted the last three games. Mm-hmm. So okay. Okay. if you were, so it was a big advantage I thought for the higher seed that if the higher seed could just take one of those first two games. They're sitting pretty. Yeah, and they um, and they won the first game. I was at that game. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, that was another Jim Johnson game where he gave up a bunch of. They runs scored the, like seven runs in the ninth inning. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was not. It was not great. Yeah. Um, uh, but I will say uh, that I was also there for the next game, the first playoff win at Camden Yards, and how many ever years, years it was. Delman Young, that game, that moment was very loud. Just as loud for me was when Jim Johnson struck out a Rod for that game two win. Yep. For me. Yep. Yeah, I mean that 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 crowd the, the, they set they set at that time records for decibels in the stadium. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember Craig Sager, you know, rest in peace. I remember him, you know, being at that game and showing the decibels and being like, "This is the highest recorded decibels for an really? outdoor wow. stadium wow. In, in in sports history." Um, it was it was phenomenal. Now, f- what was phenomenal this year was the Orioles winning 101 games, doing mm-hmm. what we what nobody expected them to do, putting up their best the the best. Record for the franchise since 1979. Zach, we got to figure out this echo. Maybe when one of us is speaking, we mute the other two mics because that's that's got. I think that's well. The echo is coming from yours because it's so close to Luke's, so we we really can't. So, but you can mute his mic when I'm talking. When when I'm talking, fair, fair. We can do that. It's just gonna take a little bit. We can do that. A little bit of extra effort. Not that I love your effort all the time. I do. Just little. Not a lot we can do about it. That 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 little bit of extra in extraordinary. Well, I guess we're gonna have to do that. You know. Um. No, but. The 101 wins, phenomenal. This team was exciting all year. They've got the rookie of the year in Gunnar Henderson, the manager of the year in Brandon Hyde, potentially the comeback player of the year in, in Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez established, established themselves as top of the rotation pitchers, and they get to the postseason, and they lost three straight. When we come back from our break, we are going to dive into all of that with our senior managing editor, Luke Jackson. I uh, do want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department, which is hosting a hiring event Saturday, October 28th. It will take place at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Applicants can complete multiple parts of the hiring process, including agility testing, written testing, and the ability to apply on the spot. Members of our specialized units will be in attendance to further discuss career opportunities with the police department. The, the police. With the, the, the wow. <laughs> 
with the police department. And starting in the afternoon, there will also be a trunk or treat event that is open to the community event if you're not interested in joining the BCPD. To find out more, contact their office at 410-887-4584 or 410-887-5521. When we come back in, more with Luke Jackson. That's next on The Bat Around. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadets starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half, must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland5star.us for tickets. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code PRESSBOX23. So bet with the best and use promo code PRESSBOX23 this football season with Superbook. Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita. 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and A.J. Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome back in Wild way to, return. to to the bat around. We're talking about different celebrations for huge moments in Baltimore sports. And uh, I was talking about my one buddy crying. And Zach was talking about uh, when when the Ravens beat the Vikings in the infamous snow game. And I turned to my buddy and he was crying at how ridiculous it was. He was crying for a, a mediocre Ravens team in the middle of the regular <laughs> season, beating the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Um, and then Zach, when wh- who, who did you hug and for what? Oh, I, so it was the Adafi Owe fumble game where he forced it from Clyde against Edwards City, yeah. against Kansas City. I think it was 21. It was last say. season. It was last season. I think it was two years ago. No, it was two years ago. Was two, it two, two years, years ago? ago? Yeah. Wow. It was, it was 2021. Bleed together. And, uh, and there was this great guy sitting next to me. That's, that's the way I'm going to put it. I'm not going to say what I said off air. He was a great guy. And uh, just some random guy that we just started hugging after that. So we were all happy. Everyone was dancing to the aisles as, uh, as what's his face on the radio says. I don't know. Um, John the guy means, does the radio for when, the when, when John means um, threw his no hitter, mm-hmm. it was the day that I got my booster shot mm. um, for the for the for COVID, and we were at a Mex. It was Cinco de Mayo, so we were at Plaza del Mexico um, in Falston. And this one guy came in and he says to me, you know, John Means is throwing a no-hitter. And I'm like, yes, everybody knows that. Please do not talk about it. <laughs> and and then when they got the final out, who did I hug? That guy. I don't go. know who he there is. I don't remember what he looks like. And I probably shouldn't in the middle of a pan- shouldn't have in the middle of a pandemic. But I said, you know what? I got the shot today. And I just hugged the guy. My guy was like a, a clone of Santa. Like he was Santa's size, Santa's build. Great guy. I have hugged many strangers <laughs> in many an epic. Uh, oh, it's awesome! For it, Baltimore it, sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Luke, thank you for coming in to sit with us in studio today. Me. It's it's always one of our favorite shows when you're in here because we just get to talk Orioles baseball for a really long time, and you were a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this team. So we really enjoy it. And let's kick things off. We started talking about how um, some guys who could be re- receiving awards for the Orioles. Gunnar Henderson, he's a shoe in to win Rookie of the Year, I would imagine, this year. Um, you could make a case for, for um, Tristan Casas and um, uh, is it Jace Young? Josh Young? Josh Young. Josh Young. Yeah. But, but, but he, he got hurt. Um, we, we believe that, he, that Gunnar is a shoe in Does he get MVP votes? Oh, I think MVP votes, you can vote up to 10, right? Mm-hmm. So, probably. Yeah. I mean... I think on baseball reference, he was like a six-win player. And on fan graphs, I think he was like a five-win player. So, yeah, yeah that, I mean, typically those guys get MVP votes. Like Cedric got MVP votes right? Um, two years ago. So, yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, and the, the thing about Gunner is, like, he's not close to as good as he's going to be. Nope. He's going to get better against lefties. Mm-hmm. And 
like it, managers late in games won't be able to feed him necessarily uh, the left-handed relievers uh, and get him out at the rate with those guys that they did this year. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get better with that. And and for me, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think. I think he's earned the everyday shortstop position next year for me. I agree. I it's hard because I think I think Jackson Holiday is going to make the team out of out of spring training. I don't I understand where you're going with that because I do think that Jackson will have a huge camp and he'll make his case uh for making the team out of spring and now there's not as much disincentive to not have him on the team out of camp, but even if that were the case I think he could play second. Because okay. for me, okay, yeah. like, I've, seen, play third? I, I've seen, yeah, sure. Um, and I've seen Jackson play short and second. He can do either. I haven't seen him play third. He played a little bit of third. But for me, Gunner, sort of like how Carlos Correa with the Astros several years back, he really cemented himself at shortstop. And then Alex Bregman, he, they drafted him after that. And he was a shortstop at LSU. Uh, and uh, there were some who thought that Alex was actually a better defensive shortstop than Carlos, but Carlos had earned the sh- everyday shortstop position. Yeah, I, re- I remember And that. so Alex played third base, and he became one of the best defensive third basemen sure. in the league. And so I don't know why that couldn't happen with Jackson just at second base. For me, I and I think by the middle of the year, Gunner was a better defensive shortstop than Mateo. Yeah. I, think, I, I think that was clear. I agree. Um, and I, I think Mateo's defense backed up this year because he wasn't playing as much. Mm-hmm. He was playing a little more sporadically, and so uh, maybe he just didn't stay in the same rhythm sure. um, as he did last year when he was playing every day. I thought that, it, and for Mateo, I thought his defense at shortstop last year and the range that he showed and the amount of batted balls that he got to I think that I thought that was a big part of why they turned a corner in 2022 mm-hmm. because that kind of defender they just didn't have True. Right. prior to that. Uh, but I think Gunner has earned shortstop, and I think if you keep him at one place defensively and just tell him this is where you're going to be, I think his bat will get even better. Yeah, I, because I th- I do think there's some correlation there, and don't like let's not underestimate how difficult it it is to go back and forth between two positions mm-hmm. and play them at a high level. I know early in the year he struggled a little bit with his throws from third base, mm-hmm. but the thing about Gunner is he doesn't struggle at one thing for very long. That's correct. And so I can tell you right now, he worked his ass off to get better defensively at third base, and by the second half of the year, like he was indistinguishable in terms of the quality of his defense at short and third. Mm-hmm. And that's really a credit to his work ethic, also a credit to the coaches and all that. But really, it's it's Gunner because right. uh, of how just how driven he is. And so, yeah, I mean, he's a dog. Yeah, I I I, I don't disagree with you. I I I think when when I sit back and I think about it, you're probably right. He's probably earned uh, the starting shortstop. He's going to be an MVP candidate year in and year out. And that's that's a guy. If he wants to play shortstop, then he's going to play shortstop. And do you get do you guys see a future for Arias? Because I, I not I on think, this team. I think that that ship has kind of sailed. I agree. Um, you know, and it just like so uh, for me, a big part of why the Orioles won 101 games this year um, is depth, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. the yeah, idea definitely. that. You could so if Urias is like the thirteenth position player on the team, twelfth, 
he's like still a league averageish type of player. And so that's that was a big part of their success that they could pluck anybody from the bench and it's like a league average yeah, type of guy. No doubt. But when you see like the playoffs play out, like he looked a little out of his depth mm-hmm. and in the first game I would say and then in the second two games I don't even think he played. I so, don't think he did either, yeah. And so I just you like the in the playoffs even in short sample sizes in the playoffs you can sort of see who rises mm-hmm. and who just kind of you know it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, for me, and I don't know if he's arbitration eligible, but I don't know. Um, I believe I don't think he is because I th- I think this is his final year of pre-arbitration okay. eligible because he wasn't listed amongst. So players. they could bring him to camp pretty easily, and then if they have injuries, they can slide him in or whatever. Yeah. Or in camp, if another team needs an infielder, and you can swap an infielder for right. whatever. And, and Ryan and I noted last week that the defensive metrics have plummeted for Arias and Ryan yeah that's that and sorry to cut you off but like I saw that the defensive metrics for him at third base uh this year were not great no it was not at all and and I was watching him and I thought that you know his hands were still really soft he's got really good hands at third and then later in the season particularly in September you sort of saw his defense start to take a step back yeah like very obviously to your eyes like goosing throws um and that sort of thing so yeah i he was not the defender this year that he was in 22 i think that's pretty no. clear uh ramona rios is arbitration eligible oh, this wow. year okay how much uh, he, he, um i don't know I, I, somebody had posted yeah um how, how much there are like those 16 races. of them so i'm guessing it's about two mil eric yeah. eric garfield just texted uh, four, me four point two million i think it's what, what he's projected to how make. much i i feel like i saw four eric 2. said 2.01 million uh, okay. it, from a, a bump from 750k. I yeah. could, yeah, I could see him being dealt before. Yeah, that. I, like, and it wouldn't be for much, but he's useful for some team out there. Yeah, I, he, but he, he's a raised type of player to me. They're not going to take him, but that that's a guy I think I, I think would fit in pretty well there. They're not going. That's not going to be the team that trades for him. But I, I think he he probably is a starter on 15 of the 30 teams, at least. I would call him a second division player. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, R- Rock wrote the article um, today. Uh, it was his. It was his four a.m. post today, and it has um, all the Orioles arbitration eligible players. And it's uh, Ramona Rios going from seven hundred thirty four thousand seven hundred to two million. Um, the four point two million was Ryan Mountcastle. That's the, they had very similar salaries this past season. Next year will be a big year for Ryan. Yeah, to show that he can take some steps forward. Um, and hopefully stay healthy over the course of a full year because because of the way he produces in the middle of the lineup with a lot of home runs and RBIs, that arbitration number is going to keep going way up. Yeah. So he's for me, he's got to show a little bit more um, to, that that he would want to that the Orioles would want to keep him around in twenty five for like seven or eight mil. Yeah. For me. Yeah, and we were talking about with Stan. Stan thinks he could be part of a package. Um, for yeah, a trade. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is the first time that, that that I've thought about Ryan Mountcastle potentially not being a part of this Orioles team next year, potentially being traded, and didn't have a problem with it. Um, and it's not that I, I love Ryan Mountcastle. I'm a, I'm a big Ryan Mountcastle guy, but I also think that the Orioles need to add a player to the middle of their order um, that can that can impose at least a little bit of fear. I don't think Anthony Santander. And Ryan Mountcastle do that because they know how to strike these guys out. Yeah. Um, and I think that the most obvious position to do that at 
would be first base. A couple of years in the league will expose limitations for any guy. And we've mm-hmm. blatantly seen over and over and over again, no matter how hot he gets at certain times, what the limitations to Ryan Mountcastle are. I don't think those things are going away or changing at any point. Yeah, and but he's also the type of guy that you hate to give up on because yeah. of how... And I mean, you look at his stack house page and his batted ball profile is like bright red. It crushes it. He yeah. cru- When he squares up the ball, he crushes it. And if there's any right-handed hitter on this roster right now that could conquer that wall pretty consistently, it's it's Ryan. Mm-hmm. So that, so th- you like that. However, it's first base only. And the approach has gotten a little bit better. Not a ton better. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder if that's always going to hold him back uh, from producing the kind of way that his batted ball profile suggests he should. And yeah. I think that they're still going to work with him. I, I would be a little surprised if he's dealt this year. I think I don't think they want to give up on him just yet. But, I mean, any, anybody's available in the right deal aside from you know a handful of guys in the organization. So yeah. nothing, I guess, would would shock me, but... Uh, that bad ball profile is something that they like, that they still want to work with, uh, and we'll we'll see how it, it how it um, turns out. I, I I would like to see him be able to use those right center field bleachers. Mm-hmm. He's got those kind of that kind of power, and you've seen it a little bit here and there, but not super consistently. Sure. Um, I would love to see him be able to use that part of the field with his power a little more often. So, Especially in Camden Yards. Yeah. Especially yeah, here. Yeah. And I'd like to see him bat lower. I'd like to see him. And again, I think that that's why I would like to see them bring in a guy that can hit in the middle of the order so Mountcastle can move lower, maybe take some of that pressure off of him. Cause I, yeah, I, I wonder, can see that. I wonder how much of the swing and miss and the chase rate is because of the pressure of hitting in the middle of the order and feeling like you have to produce day in and day out. Well, and the Orioles are really lacking that guy right now because I think Gunner is going to go into next year as their presumed leadoff guy. I, I think you saw what Cedric Mullins did down the stretch, and they kind of went away from that. For, since the All-Star break, they hadn't done that in a... In the majority of games. I, I don't even think it was close to the majority of games. Hadn't they done what? Batted Cedric Mullins leadoff. Oh. Yeah. It was mostly that, Rutschman that, and Henderson. That ship sailed. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're looking at probably Rutschman, the two-hole Henderson one, so that you do need that guy in the middle of the lineup. It could be O'Hearn. I, I would like to believe it's O'Hearn. It's but then not again, O'Hearn. I don't, think, I don't think O'Hearn is going to be your, you know... You're not Alvarez kind of guy, but he's he's a the, he's a platoon player. He's, right. Yeah, he's, he can't he can't hit lefties. And, and, that and, that, and that's the thing. And if you look at the lineups um, in the postseason. You look you look at the teams around the league. They everybody plays every day. You look at the Texas Rangers lineup. Name a platoon in the Texas Rangers lineup. Well, sometimes they'll flip it, you know, switch off uh, Grossman and Garber. Yeah, um, uh, Grossman hitting hitting third in, in the first game of the postseason. I, I I said to my buddy, I was like, he shouldn't be hitting third on anybody's team. Watch, he'll double here or something, and, and he doubled in his first at bat. But yeah, I mean, Ryan O'Hearn had a really good year at the plate, twenty two percent better than the average major league hitter. The guy was really good across the board, but I, I don't in know a platoon role. If he can't hit lefties, then uh, yeah, he's not going to be an everyday middle of the order guy. Luke, you had a point you were making. I interrupted. I apologize. I don't know what the point was. <laughs> I don't know what the point was of coming into the show today. <laughs> no, that's not true. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, we'll see what they do in the off season. Um, and that's that's a, a, a question that I want to ask you guys. 
I think we all know what the Orioles' weaknesses are right now. Mm-hmm. They probably need another lockdown reliever. You can't have another season where your go-to guys are like a Brian Baker or the September-October version of Jacob Webb to mm-hmm. bridge a gap. Felix Bautista is not going to be here at any point next mm-hmm. season. So you and you don't you really don't want to go closer by committee. I've seen too many times where that fails. You no. need that guy that you can depend on night in and night out. The one guy that comes to mind that's gonna be a free agent is Josh Hader. Now there's this whole turmoil there because he refuses to pitch uh beyond three outs during the regular season, apparently. I don't know if it's a downright refusal or he's not willing to do it when his team's not in playoff contention. Either way, it's a red flag. Uh do the Orioles need to go out and find that legitimate reliever? Do they need to go out and find that middle-of-the-order bat? And more specifically, are they going to be in play for a top-of-the-line starting pitcher? I, I think the days need to be done where you're depending on signing a veteran like Kyle Gibson to anchor your rotation. I thought Gibson did a nice job this year. For the most uh, part. I, you know, I thought his ERA was a little bit elevated because of the starts where he would just eat it. Yeah. Where he didn't have it. Yep. And he would still pitch into the sixth inning give up on runs. Uh, so I thought, thought his ERA was, 15 a, games, yeah. ERA was a little elevated because of that. Uh, I thought for the vast majority of the time, he gave his team a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And so and he pitched 190 innings. Thought he did a nice job. I, I despised the Kyle Gibson signing. I, I thought it was horrible. 10, you know, 10, 11 million to a guy that really hasn't had much success in this league in, the, in recent years. But then he comes out, and I, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, like like Luke said, he was he was genuinely pretty reliable. He won 15 games. He pitched yeah. to a 4.73 ERA. He was, what was worth. The FIP? It, uh, it was better. Through 192 innings, let me let me take a look for you. The FIP for that's his peripherals were actually pretty decent, and uh, that's the, been the, the case. Throughout. The FIP was 4.13. Okay, the, and that's been the case throughout his career. That his peripherals are better than his results for whatever reason. Uh, like, did you know that Kyle Gibson now is a 20 win player for his career, 20 WAR player for his career? He's a point, you win, point nine this past season. Oh, on Fangraphs, I mean. Oh, Fangraphs. Fan okay. it was like two points something. But anyway, oh, gotcha. that's that's beside the point. Uh, I do think that a veteran reliever with closing experience um, would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a step up from the Michael Gibbons signing, I think certainly. I don't know off the top of my head who that could be. Uh, I don't think it's going to yeah. be Josh Hader. There, I, there's nothing in the past – several years that tells me that they're going to spend $15 million a year uh, on a reliever, and that's what Josh is going to yeah. command. He's going to command three years, 45, four years, 60, whatever and, and, it is. That I mean, they're just not going to do that. We've like, talked about it before on the show, but uh, the Nats won the World Series with probably the worst bullpen in playoff history. They were awful. I do think that the Orioles have some interesting internal options for closer. Tyler Wells uh, being one. Comes I to know, mind that the home run tendencies aren't great for a closer. However, I don't think he was that homer prone as a reliever in 21. And, like, with his velocity ticking up, um, he should be – I think it would be okay. D.L. Hall is another one. I just wonder about whether he can hold up physically. Yeah. Back-to-back days. Yeah. Two out of three, three out of four, four out of five. Like that's something that a closer has to be able to do, and I, that doesn't seem to me to be his kind of role. Uh, for me, he's probably more of a guy who can come in in the middle innings, give you four plus outs, and then gets two or three days of rest, and then does it again the next day. The, the game after that so that's for me probably more of dl hall's role just based on 
how his inability to stay healthy to this point in his career. Sure. And it's nothing serious, but it's always nagging injuries. And that might always be the case with DL, that you're just not going to get a full season out of him. And generally, you don't want to go into a season thinking like, oh, my closer probably is going to get hurt at some point. Like, that's right, right, no. probably the way you don't want to go. Uh, so, But it was interesting at the end of the year that Tyler Wells seemed to be Brandon Hyde's uh, top choice for that. Uh, but I do think bring someone in who has at least done it before so to, with some success is a pretty decent idea so you've got josh Hader, will smith uh david robertson craig kimbrell drew pomeranz um trevor may matt moore these are all um these are all guys who are trevor rosenthal or all chapman if he ever puts on an orioles uniform he'll be the first orioles player that i just outright boo every time he comes to the game i okay. hate him on a on a high level um i just think he's a garbage human being um but there's a number of guys who are out there i uh, josh Hader, will smith they may be out of the realm of possibility for the orioles but i i would not hate to see trevor may or david robertson um pitching for the orioles next year um or craig kimbrell for that matter um they're all getting up there in age. Those are guys who I think could be fits on short deals maybe a one or two year deal while you're waiting for felix bautista to come back so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I think they'll sift through all of that, and you know, and we'll see what their appetite is for, you know, a relief pitcher. I mean, I think they gave like Michael Givens four or five million, which was yeah. four or five million down the toilet. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, hopefully it's better spent. This yeah, year. hopefully it's better spent. Um, I'd like to see them get – and the the point about Kyle Gibson isn't that he didn't do a good job this year because, by and large, he kept the Orioles in almost – in just about every game that he started. You don't win 15 By games. all accounts, terrific human being. Yeah. Terrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in that regard, he did his job. I guess the point I'm making is that you're. I think you're past a point where you're looking for that guy to anchor your yeah. rotation. Who are you going to be? I mean, you look at what Chris Bassett did. You look at what Nathan Nivaldi did um, with the with the smaller deal. I mean, Chris Bassett got got what 15 million a year. Um, I think it was 360 for yeah. Chris Bassett. So I I mean, so he was definitely worth what he got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I will add is that because of the playoff system with 12 teams in the going to the playoffs and then. Around the time of the trade deadline, I would say you have like 18 teams really thinking that they have a chance at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that means you really only have like 10 to 12 defined sellers. And so there, A, there's not much starting pitching out there at the trade deadline. And B, whatever's out there, there's so much competition for Bidding it. more. So you end up overpaying for someone like Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think in the past you might have been able to say as a team, okay, we might be a little short in the rotation, but we love the rest of our team. We'll see how it goes with our, our internal options, and then we'll evaluate ahead of the trade deadline and we'll get somebody if need be, right? Here's one I don't think you can do that anymore. I think that I I think a lot of your work has to be done starting pitching wise at least in the off season just because I don't think you can bank at the trade line that guys are going to be available. There are really only a handful of starting pitchers available at the trade deadline this year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Verlander, Scherzer, Flaherty, Montgomery. I Maybe I'm missing one. I think that's really who we were talking about. I think that's about right. Lorenzen. Lorenzen, Lorenzen yeah. He yeah. threw a no-hitter and then fell off a cliff. <laughs> didn't, yeah. make, didn't make the Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think, 
Uh, that's I'm not sure if you okay. He was he he was pitch, he pitched against the Braves. I saw him pitching. The I don't think card. he made the wild card one though. Maybe not. Uh, I don't believe so. And so with uh, the funny thing with Renzen is that he was another guy who was sailing over his previous innings high, and predictably, after the no hitter, fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but. I mean, it's hard to uh, criticize it too much because that's probably going to be like the highlight of his career yeah. individually. So a- AJ makes two really good points in the comments, by the way. One, he said Eduardo Rodriguez was also available uh, as a starting pitcher. That's true. Avail- so, apparently available-ish. Available-ish. <laughs> right. Like, he was uh, one of the options. But his other point is asking if Dylan Tate is done for good. And that's a name that hasn't crossed my mind. Oh, he's about- arbitration eligible. He's going. I would imagine he's going to be non-tendered. Okay. I think. Well, he's he's due that he made 1.5 million last year, and the the numbers from MLB trade rumors, according to Rockabaco, is he's not getting a bump. It's 1.5. I again would this I year. would imagine that they just move on. Well, for uh, me, maybe. I mean, he he was a guy you got absolutely nothing out of this year. No. Um. He it, the 1.5 million. Are you willing to pay him that, or do you want to spend that money elsewhere? It's not a, to me. 1.5 million is chump change. It's so, in baseball. Yeah. Like I, I was surprised that no one asked Mike uh, at the season-ending press conference. Like, what's the deal? Like, what mm-hmm. happened? Like, mm-hmm. wh- like, did yeah. he? Did I think I, everybody just forgot about him? Like, his name has never does crossed he, my mind. Does he need surgery? Like, <laughs> right. we heard forearm yeah. tightness, right? And I he think missed that's the what entire was. year. In that same article, the the Rock put out this morning, um, he said nobody even knows if he had surgery. We don't know what we. Nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows if he's had surgery. If he needs surgery, someone nobody probably knows. should have asked. That's completely yeah. bizarre. That's yeah. completely like I, this was one of your best relievers in twenty two. Yeah, and he, like I don't know what happened to him, and everyone just forgot about him. I don't know. Do we have Elias's number? Can we get him on the phone? Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to call. That him was up. Uh, uh, that was very strange. Because yeah, like that, that's really at those end of season press conferences. That's when you want like closure on certain like injury things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but anyway. Well, the Orioles were also a little weird about DL Hall going down to Florida for a little while. We didn't really hear about that, and then he was just back. Yeah, so, I don't know. Well, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where I was moving forward, like you said. I, I haven't even thought about Dylan Tate, so I was approaching next season. Without even him in mind, right? You know, and that's that's another. And it wasn't until I read Rock's Rock's post this morning that it, I remembered this guy could still be part of the Orioles team next year. Yeah. When when he got hurt, and then they had he he um had the setback. I said he's not pitching for the team right. at any point this year, and he didn't. No. Um, I wish I would have been wrong about that. I think, but a lot of people I think like felt he, the same way. He tried to I think pitch in the on minor league rehab, mm-hmm. and he like his walks were way up. Yeah. Is that what happened? I think his like command was way out of whack, and then at some point, I think maybe around like early August, they just gave up. on Oh, it. you're correct. So he had he pitched in 13 minor league games between A plus, Double A, and Triple A, mm-hmm. uh, 15.19 ERA. Yeah, so he not was great. not good. That's not, not great. <laughs> not um, great at all. Speaking uh, of of relief pitches with inflated ERAs, uh, Fujinami, Shintaro Fujinami. There's been some. Back and forth. He signed for one year, $3.25 million, Luke, uh, with the Oakland Athletics prior to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his first year in the league, so he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And according to baseball reference, he's not he's pre-arbitration eligible, and he's not a free agent until 2029. But I don't think that's how it works with him. Correct. I think he's he, signed a straight one-year deal. I yeah. think so, too. Yeah, so he's a, he's, he's a free agent after this season. There's a number of players. Fujinami, Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, Aaron Hicks, and Jack Flattery. Um, <laughs> do you foresee any of these players being back? Well, next I don't think Jack Flaherty will be back. No. Um, 
Adam Frazier, I don't think he's back. Um, uh, Fuji, mm, I, I could see them maybe uh, looking at that later in the offseason if he's still hanging around and if they think that like six weeks in spring training working directly with him without mm-hmm. the pressure of games will get him in a better you know frame of mind but and i i think that's at least possible i think that's within the realm of possibility kyle gibson i think it's within the realm of possibility if they strike out on all their targets that in january you know if kyle gibson still doesn't have a team that they could re i think that's within the realm of possibility um, the other one was Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. I think especially if they move on from one of their current outfielders. So that's Santander, Mullins, Hayes. I think there's a possibility that they could add him for depth mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah. And frankly, in September and in October, he was their best option in center field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, okay. my, my hot take is that I think – at least one of the major Orioles outfielders, meaning the four guys he just mentioned, are going to be moved on from the season. I, think I that, agree. I so I think between I think it's more likely to be Hayes, that, Mullins, I Hayes, agree. and Santander. I think are expected to make somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty five million dollars wow. next year. Uh, so those guys got a little expensive quickly, but that's the way it works, and that's the way yeah. it should work. Um, I just don't. I don't know if I, I actually last off season. I thought they would move on from one of those guys. Yes, I, I do um, too. And I think it's possible that we've kind of seen the best of from all of them at this point. I agree with that. I as well. think. I think certainly with Mullins, we've seen the best from him. I, I think the Mullins, unfortunately, the if we're looking at a graph of his performance, it's just going to keep going down. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that's I, the way I feel. Yeah, you know, and wonderful thirteenth round pick. Wonderful thirteenth yeah. round pick. Yeah. Uh, I think he's on the other side of the mountain at this point. And agreed. That, I mean, and I'm not trying to overreact to a really bad September. I, I'm just, I mean, just look at his well, his production over the past how, several years. How much of that has to because he was arguably their best player before the first injury. Uh, what he what he was doing offensively, yeah. he just tends to wear down as a season goes along. Yeah, he's five eight. Yeah, and I yeah. just I for me I. I and I'm also like just naturally biased against players who can't throw. Yeah, I just I, 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 the, that's, the arm. It's, mm. it's a turnoff for me. I, we're yeah. coming off two straight years of a 107 OPS plus and a 101 OPS plus. So yeah. more or less, league, slightly better than league average. The defense is great, but he can't throw. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, not for me. Like, yeah, and I know that the Phillies right now have like an all defense center fielder hitting ninth. I mm-hmm. understand that, and I'm not trying to. Uh, you know, bag on Mullins. I mean, he's been a wonderful Oriole. For I mean, sure, he's been an absolutely wonderful Oriole. You're just you're looking for ways to get better, to get into that, to create a championship team. And for me, I walked out of those playoff games, games one and two, thinking that they probably needed to upgrade in center field. Paul, yeah. Paul was, said it on Twitter. He said one of the worst at bats of the year was in game one when Mullins chased that ball in the dirt and struck out. Yeah. One of the worst at bats of the year. It, it was that, that at bat, and then Austin Hayes at bat in Game Three, where he took two strikes and he swung at three pitches that were nowhere near the strike zone and struck out. That was one of the worst at bats of the year. Also, between him and and Hayes, and look, you're sacrificing a lot of defense. But I, I am willing to give Mullins another shot if he can stay healthy. I think he's far better than what we saw. Um, Hayes, I th- we know who Austin Hayes is. 
at this point. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Austin Hayes, his last two seasons, if you look at his stat line, they're almost identical. And he's a guy who will have a huge first half for you, streaky. And then the second half of the season, he's gonna he's gonna fall he's gonna fall back. And how many how often is he playing with um with with an injury that, that we don't know about? And have you ever? And Zach is the one who brought this to my attention maybe a year year and a half ago, and I've noticed it ever since. Austin Hayes has never met a pitch that he hasn't thought about swinging at. <laughs> he yeah. he he offers at everything. He does at. Everything. I, I feel like if he's not ripping at the first pitch, he doesn't have an idea of what how to approach an attack. Even when he takes a pitch that's six feet outside, he's taking he's the bat off his shoulder. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. checking a swing. <laughs> and I get that at the major league level, you have to get started early to catch yeah. up to 100. I, I, I understand that. Not every pitch is 100, man. There's no approach. For, for me, and it leads, it leads you to Heston Kerstad, Colton Kalser. Yep, yep. Uh, Colton Kalser was dreadful. Yeah. For the Orioles, he was dreadful. Yeah, not and then, great. And Horrible. then he went back to Norfolk, and it continued. He'd lost thirty points in his batting average yeah. before turning it on in the postseason. Kind of concerned. Yeah. How do we feel about Colton Kowser? I think Heston Kersat's a dude. I think that's a guy who's going to hit for power. Same. Same. And, ball, and, ball comes off his bat hot. Yeah. That, that's always been the case with Heston. Now, if just word of warning that if you give Heston five hundred plate appearances next year, he's going to strike out close to one hundred fifty times. Yeah. And he's going to swing and miss in some big spots. I'm just telling you. I'm just Letting letting you know now. Uh, however, I mean the the power is so real, and when you look at his swing, boy, you, you think about a swing tailor made for Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that you like that. Now, interesting to me is that they didn't seem to trust him in the outfield. Yeah, I know. DH'd a lot, and I don't. So I don't know what their internal evaluation of him is defensively. Obviously, they didn't think he was as good defensively as Santander and Wright, Hicks and Wright, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't they put O'Hearn in left field at one point? Oh, a couple times. Instead, when when he everybody was lauding Hyde for you know the double switches and stuff. Oh, the like Houston that. thing. Like, yeah. yeah, and they and they put uh, O'Hearn in left field to get. Cursed out, out of the game, so I don't like. Maybe they think he's like a first base DH type, mm-hmm. and maybe that's your answer at first. You were talking about first base before. It sure could. Maybe be. that's what right. your what your uh, answer is. So, I, you know, uh, but with Kowser, I I saw a lot of him at Aberdeen. Uh, I was never like his biggest fan. Mm-hmm. I saw. I didn't see him necessarily as like an impact type of hitter. Um, in like in the way that he was th- talked about when he was drafted. Sure. Um, I saw him more as like a complimentary piece than an impact guy you know, at the top of the order. That that was just my takeaway. That was a while ago when I saw him a lot at Aberdeen, but that was my takeaway then. Um, so I've, you know, did my, again, my personal biases are that, you know, I've never been like his biggest fan, not to say that he can't, uh, contribute to a winning Orioles team. I'm not saying that at all. Um, just again, th- that's what I saw. So, I, if you want to move on from Mullins or Hayes, where does that leave you in the outfield? Exactly. That's the next point I was going to make. Because if yeah. it's not Kerstad and it's not Kowser, you may you uh, then you got to get somebody. Yeah, M- Mullins I think is here out of necessity next year. Maybe Hayes is as well. Um, 
because until Enrique Bradfield's ready, and we ha- that might take two, three more years. Ooh. You know, the, and, and that, that's a guy where you're probably sacrificing the offense because the defense. is I'm so not good. a Brad. I I hated that draft pick. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I saw Bradfield once at Aberdeen, and I will. I will hold off on judgment until I see him more. Put okay. It that way. Well, that's fair, and I haven't seen him live yet either. But I did watch a little bit of Vanderbilt this year. I always try to catch their games because they're always so good. And every time I saw him, I was like, "Yeah, this guy's a." Unbelievable speed, like 80-80, unbelievable. But the guy really doesn't hit that much mm-hmm. from what I saw. And that was at Vanderbilt where you should be – the guys who get drafted the first round from Vanderbilt are usually hitting like 390-400, and this guy wasn't doing that. Have you yeah. noticed that the guys who get drafted out of Vanderbilt, they – I don't – they seem to peak early. Like they – Yeah, they, like – Dancy Swanson, uh, uh, but I mean, Dancy Sp- Swanson's a wonderful defensive shortstop, and he—I guess he really doesn't have to hit that much um, I think to be worth enough. it. Yeah, yeah, to be worth his contract. Like he's like one of my favorite guys to watch play shortstop is Dansby Swanson. But anyway, uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem like those Vanderbilt guys in recent years have popped in the major leagues uh, the way you their draft position would indicate that they should i mean his draft year he hit 279 at vanderbilt and not everything is about batting average but you remember a lot of these guys dansby swanson being one of them and of course he was a first overall pick he i'm gonna assume he hit like 400 yeah yeah, yeah, like it's it's a lot of the guys who go in the first round from that school hit much better than 279 not the batting average is everything the on-base percentage was 410 that's good the ops is 839 I don't look at those numbers and say, wow, that's incredible for a guy at Vanderbilt who got drafted in the first round. I, I, for Dansby Swanson his final year of it. Okay. And so that's I, lower I, than I thought. I imagine that I will see a lot of Enrique next year, and I'll have a yeah, better fair enough. sense of, of his strengths and weaknesses and all that. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that at the, this point. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Uh, 25 stolen bases in 25 games. Uh, in, in in his brief pro debut this this year. Yeah, who was that? Enrique Bradley. Oh, okay. Twenty five steals, only two caught stealing in uh twenty five games. Uh, two ninety one overall. Uh, he was bad at Aberdeen, but Florida Coast League five fifty six. Del Marva in seventeen games, he had three oh two. A lot of the SEC competition though is better than those than well, yeah, the well, A ball. Well, I'm 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 sure, but it it doesn't suck that he hit three oh two with Del Marva. No, um, not. and it's his first. Ta- I mean, he got to taste high A. The same year that he was drafted, and he he, it wasn't great, but he'll he'll bounce back now. I don't know. I I never looked at him and thought that he's going to be a guy who's going to hit three hundred at the big league level. But if he can hit two forty, then that's a guy who's probably going to steal seventy bases a year. You know, and the defense, and you have to believe that the arm is better than Cedric Mullins. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I getting back to the original point, maybe Hayes and Mullins are here next year out of necessity. Um, more than anything else, because after Kalzer and Kerstad, unless you think that Jordan Westbrook can play the outfield or Kobe Mayo can play the outfield. Um, See, I would expect Kobe Mayo to get some reps in right field in spring. Yeah. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that he would be like major league ready right fielder, but I, I would expect him to get some reps in right field. Uh, to me, if you ask me, is Kobe Mayo going to be a better hitter than Austin Hayes? I'd pretty confidently say I think so. I think he'll hit for more power. I don't know if he hits for yeah. 270. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. I saw a lot of Kobe Mayo at Aberdeen. That's a guy I loved at yeah. Aberdeen. Yeah. Like, just... Uh, he mashes. Yes. He absolutely yes. mashes. And that guy somebody... impacts the baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that, so that, that's Central the guy... Central casting. He's 6'5", so... 240, whatever it is. He looks like an all-star coming off the bus, and that's what you need in the playoffs. You need AJ's, central casting dogs. AJ saying he deserves time at third base. I agree, but he, 
It's just gonna be hard to play him there. Holiday, Westberg. I don't think the glove plays. Who needs to play? Mayo. I don't think Mayo. I don't think the glove plays. You, you glove don't plays to, where? He's, at third base. He's saying at third base. I don't think it plays. I, I haven't seen no. enough of him at third base to really have an opinion about his defense. I know, I understand that it's gotten better than what I saw at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I I don't have I I I haven't seen him enough defensively the past year or so to really have an opinion about him at third. He's got plenty of arm for it. I know that. It's just a matter of you know where would he line up, you know in the defensive pecking order so to speak with like a Jordan Westberg sure. at third Norby with uh if they decide to put Henderson at third Norby he's another guy uh that they'll have to make a decision on I yep. liked him at Aberdeen too really great feel for the barrel mm-hmm. just I among Orioles minor leaguers right now he might have the best feel for the barrel out of anybody he's a guy who I think professional hitter Yes. When, 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 yes. I mean, he he hit over four hundred in college. I don't think that's a mistake. I, he can he can hit. Uh, yeah. And he's and so whether it's going to be in Baltimore, whether it's going to be somewhere else, he's going to hit in the major leagues. Um, I think he's probably going to be good enough at second base to at least stick there. And if that doesn't work out, you, you can toss him in most left fields, not Camden Yards left field, but you could toss him in most left fields, and he'll be fine. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and we'll probably close with this. Um, some minor league players that the Orioles have, mm-hmm. um, and we'll go down the list. Uh, for first and foremost, Arias, Mateo, Frazier mm-hmm. are their replacements. Jackson Holiday, Connor Norby, and Joey Ortiz. I guess that's what they're talking about right now, right? Yeah. Uh, I will say this: that in the, I, I would think that they would want a veteran in that infield mix because not all those guys you just mentioned. Uh, like we'll have good years next year. Like someone yeah. will back up, and so you're going to want a veteran infielder, like someone better than Adam Frazier, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a guy who can play everywhere, uh, play a little bit of corner outfield too. Uh, just some protection against one or two of these young guys backing up for whatever reason. Sure. And so it's just some sort of proje- some sort of veteran you could easily project that if he stays healthy, he's going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so I would think that they would want to bring in someone like that and. Also, just for me, I, you want some. You do want some veterans around, so I would expect them to do that. So, yeah, I would. I would probably agree with you. I'm a bit more reserved, I guess, on Joey Ortiz. I still want to see. I, I guess we need more consistent playing time at the major leagues to really be able to judge him and to get a good idea of what he looks like as a player. Well, but I don't know about Joey. Ortiz. Yeah, and I think it's fair to wonder about him because the club preferred uh even when he was really struggling the club preferred uh Jorge yeah, Mateo to exactly him. so yeah uh, I think that that's uh something to wonder about you know his status with the their team. treatment of Joey Ortiz told you a lot about what they think of Joey Ortiz sort I of think. sort of very similar to uh the Kyle Stowers situation last year right yeah. we we had the same conversation about Kyle Stowers last year where we were saying well, they didn't really play him every day and they didn't they waited a long time for him to call him up like are they really in on this guy or not right like because we had seen how they treat guys who they're really in on like gunner came up played every day mm-hmm. and so i don't know on jory jory ortiz and obviously there's only four infield spots so you can't right you know i it, I, I would imagine that maybe a couple of these guys are packaged for a starter yeah you know and yeah. where you when in during the off season when you have more time to sort of than at the deadline to really um, uh, figure out what you want to do with these guys. And and now you have more uh, information, data on these guys. You you should know uh, internally 
you know what you feel about these guys at this point. We're certainly going to find out. I'm very interested. I, I think that that if you're looking for ut- utility infielder, that Ortiz is could be that guy. He plays every defensive position elitely, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, he, he looked like he belonged at third base. He looked like he belonged at shortstop. He looked like he belonged at second. The bat, you wonder about. I like the bat speed. Um, I think he's gotten a lot better since he came back from the injury a year and a half ago. Now you just got to wonder, can that translate to the major league level? And I think that's the biggest question for everybody. I don't think anybody yeah. questions the defense. Yeah, and, and honestly, we very rarely even saw him against a right-handed pitcher. Yeah. You know, it was When he was up, the it was lefties. Yeah. So, uh, and I know I remember he did have a big hit in Detroit. Um, I think it was like in May. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a big hit in Detroit to help them win the game. So, yeah, well, we'll we'll see what's going to happen with that. I think that they, I'd like to see their opinion on Connor Norby. I think we'll figure that out in spring training as well. Yeah, I also you know think that it's possible that a couple of those guys are moved for uh, you know a major league piece, and then maybe it's you know a, a Hayes or a Mullins or a Santander who's moved for. You know, minor league pieces sure. to you know sort of fill in, so to speak. So I I don't know. Um, uh, they've got a lot of position players uh, who are capable major league players at this point, um, and only you know so nine maybe, spots. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're gonna catch our final break uh, before we come back in to do take to rake and close things out with our final thoughts. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by. Uh, Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio, which is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys were joined by Hall of Famer John Smoltz, Ravens and tight ends legend Derek Mason, and ESPN's Carl Ravitch. You can Find those interviews and more in this week's Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. We'll be back with more on the Battle Round. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit MarylandFiveStar.us for tickets. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 3rd at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. And don't forget, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Ravens fans, are you ready for the biggest game day party in Baltimore? Join us at Guilford Hall Brewery tomorrow, Sunday, October 15th for the official Ravens London Game Watch Party. We're getting started early with live music, bottomless mimosas, unlimited Guilford beer, Dunkin' Coffee, and signature cocktails, games, kids zone, and appearances from special guests, including Ravens legend Jimmy Smith, Ravens cheerleaders, and the marching Ravens band and Poe. Uh... Doors open at 8 a.m., so rally your flock. We'll see you at Guilford Hall. This event is free to the public with all-you-can-drink wristbands available for purchase. Visit www.guilfordhall.com for more information. Um, we were just talking about the postseason um, and the if leading into Take to Rake. What we did last week for Take to Rake is we each picked an Oriole and we each picked a player outside of the Orioles. So to go first, I took Gunnar Henderson and I took Ronald Acuna. Gunnar Henderson was 6 for 12, a home mm-hmm. run, two RBIs. He had a 500 batting average, 538 uh, on base percentage, 750 slugging, 1288 OPS. Dog. Acuna, 2 for 16 with a double and no RBIs. I think he had one stolen base. Um, so I hit with Henderson. I did not hit with Acuna. Um, Royce Lewis was taken by um, Ryan Blake. Lewis went three for 13, two home runs. Now, this was after the wild card. 
So this was for the DS. Okay. Royce Lewis, three for 13, two home runs, and two RBIs. And then you look at Ryan Mountcastle, who he took. Let me uh, get to him real quick because I hadn't had a chance to look at it. My apologies. Such bad radio. Um, in three games, Ryan Mountcastle went a combined two for 11 with a double, two RBIs, four strikeouts, um, and one walk. So that's two for 11. And then who was the other guy that you took? Freddie Freeman. I took Austin Hayes and Freddie Freeman. You took Austin Can't Hayes. Can't imagine it's even worth talking about Austin Hayes. <laughs> uh, Freddie Freeman was one for 10. Mm, nice. With uh, no home runs. I don't believe he drove in any runs either. Everybody on that Dodgers team. Yeah, I think Mookie and, and Freddie were like, you could buy one for 25 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah they. they not, not my not my week. They were, they were not good. Um, and then you took Austin Hayes. And who was the other one? Freddie Freeman. And Austin Fre- Hayes and Freddie, Freddie Freeman. Freeman. Those are my two. Austin Hayes. Well, Austin Hayes went three for 11. He had that three-hit game in game uh, in game two with a double. Uh, no RBIs, two walks, but overall three for 11. I think it's safe to say I think I won. I think you won too. I think I won because Gunnar yeah. Henderson had the best. I, mean, I didn't win a lot this year. I did not win a lot this no, year. No, we'll have to um, tally it up. Yeah, no, nobody's outside of, the, out, outside of Orioles' picks – did particularly well, yeah. but Gunnar Henderson was so off. He was the he was the only guy that showed up in the playoffs. For you the won because of Gunnar and Jorge, yeah. our guy Jorge Mateo. Yeah, Nobody <laughs> four hit game, and then you, you you had people saying they were clamoring for him. He should be starting this game because he got four hits. Is this the same Jorge Mateo that you thought oh, should have been benched God. back in June? Yeah. Um, what have you done for me? I lately? did say I did say beforehand before game three, Aaron Hicks should be in center field. Yeah, I said the exact same thing. Yeah. How do you feel? About I felt like he lollygagged in the outfield so much. It, it made me dislike him as a player. Well, that's part of why Yankees fans sort of grew sour on him is that like he would have these mo- just moments in the outfield. Um, I really don't think it's a lack of effort. I think it's you know maybe more so like a lack of focus or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, he's really productive for the Orioles. Frankly, after they picked him up, and yeah. it seemed like the change of scenery helped, and he was a godsend in June. Like yeah, once yeah. they lost Mullins, and I, at the time Mullins was you know performing very well, uh, and then throughout the course of, throughout the course of June, really, yeah, it's absolutely right that they didn't skip a beat. The problem is that once he starts playing well, you play him every day, and then he gets hurt. Yeah, that's one you, of the big issues. So, do you think that the issue with um, with Hicks is that he makes business decisions in the outfield? And when I say business decisions, that he looks like he's lollygagging on balls that he determines ahead of time this is a double regardless yeah or this is yeah. this ball is not catchable yeah regardless. And, I, and i think that that's probably the case mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you've your body has been beat up as much as his throughout the years that if you can jog after a ball you know is going to be a double regardless rather than sprint after it mm-hmm. and when it's going to, again going to be a double regardless that's probably part of the calculus like I, I he, he didn't offend me really. I just wouldn't play him in left field. That big left field, I would not play him out there. Yeah. There were two two plays that really soured me on him. One, I was at the game against Tampa Bay where the winning run scored on a base hit to right field. The guy hit hard and he didn't expect it was hit so hard he didn't expect the guy to try to score and the guy banked on that. So he kind of just jogged in and picked it up very I casually. I know which one you're talking about. And then that was he, not great. The throw that he made home was phenomenal. But because he didn't come up firing and it took him a second to realize what was going on, the guy beat the throw. Yeah. If, if he comes up firing, that guy's out by five feet. 
Um, that play and the pop-up that fell in for a double in Cleveland, he jogged after it from the get-go. He did. That ball could have been caught. One, that ball could have been caught. Everybody hated on Frazier, who tried to make an over-the-shoulder basket catch of it and dropped it. But that ball is Adam. That ball is Aaron Hicks, and Aaron Hicks could have caught that ball if he had sprinted after it. And I thought maybe he's trying to save his legs. But then in the bottom, in, in the top of the next inning, he legged out an infield single to the pitcher where he was sp- full bore sprinting, and that to me said. He made a business decision in the outfield, and there's more glory in the base hit than making that catch on the pop-up down the line. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's it's a fair, it's I, a fair, whatever is is legitimately a fair point because it's not what costs them their season. No, it, yeah, I, I think I I said I wanted him in center field before the third game, just like you did, Luke, because you look at what Cedric Mullins was doing two and forty-five slide or four, going into game three. I think it was two two for his last forty. Yeah. It just wasn't good, and the at bats, frankly, the entire series were completely uncompetitive. He wasn't hitting line drives that were being caught. No, I yeah. mean these were these were swings of balls in the dirt. You had to. I think if you're Brandon Hyde, you should have made the decision. Now again, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have changed anything most likely. But Aaron Hicks deserved to be out there starting in center field. I think so. Do the Orioles have a center fielder in their system right now that, that could replace Mullins? I guess Cowser. Would be the guy. I hated him in center field. The, I, only, the the only other guy that we're not we haven't discussed, and he's not ready for the major leagues, is Judd Fabian. Judd Fabian, mm-hmm. and I mean he's got a lot of work to do to prove himself in Double A AA and Triple A, but and he would be more of a twenty twenty five option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say, one of my buddies who's uh, very good at this uh, in the game really likes himself some Judd, Judd Fabian. Hmm. So, uh, and so, and I this guy I trust this guy's opinion. So, uh, so. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, again, that he's not a 2024 option for yeah, me. Right, right. That no, makes sense. Um, getting back to take to rake, uh, we're just going to pick one player. There's four teams. Good. There's four teams left right now. You've got the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, the um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Philadelphia Phillies. I got to go with my dude. I almost picked him last week. I got to go with him. I'm a big Bryce Harper guy. I got to take Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. I, I got to take him. I love watching them play. I love watching that entire Phillies team play. Mm-hmm. That just um, they make it look so fun. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I agree with you. And honestly, if yeah, you know, I understand that the Braves won 104 and the Phillies won 90. But if you put those, uh, compare those two rosters one by, side by side, like is there any difference? Really, I, I said last year. I said not when I say last year. I said before the season started. With the Harper injury, losing Reese Hoskins, Trey Turner need, needing to get acclimated, acclimated, re- waiting for Ranger Suarez to come back. It was going to be a slow start for the Phillies, but I thought they were every good as every bit as good as the Braves. Mm-hmm. I saw them being the top wild card team again and making a lot of noise this year. And that's exactly what happened. I think from about June one on, they played like the best team in the National League. Yeah. if I'm not mistaken, they, that that team is a wagon, and I think that they have to be the favorites to win I, the I World think, Series. I think they're going to win the World Series. I do too. too. Yeah. I, I think that they are that they're back with a vengeance this year. So, anyway, Bryce Harper, for you, sir, who are you taking? Ooh, uh, well, Evan Carter. Uh, I'm staying on that train. Evan Carter. Evan Carter. Jordan Alvarez. Oh, I was gonna say if nobody takes Jordan Alvarez, yeah. he's like the mo- to me he's that guy after Harper. He might be before Harper, but Harper's just that big game player. You know, uh, although yeah, Jordan Alvarez turns it, he's a freak, and he still finds another gear in the postseason. I mean, he's a monster. The, he is an absolute monster, man. Am I having regrets? No. Uh, Bryce Harper is the pick. All right, guys, we're going to close things out here with our final thoughts. Take to Rake was brought to you today by the current 
current issue of PressBox. We are in the final days to pick up the current issue of PressBox. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is he ready to take the Ravens to the next level with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively, and we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And coming this Wednesday, a brand new issue of PressBox featuring a cover story about the Orioles' survivors. Players like Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, and Austin Hayes, who came in during the Dan Duquette era and helped lead the team back to the post season is it the dan duquette era or the buck showalter era well i think dan drafted those players yeah so dan duquette yeah. yeah he was there by the way at game two was yeah. he really yeah, yeah he was good All seats right. yeah he had good seats yeah I imagine I, I, I imagine he'd be able to pay for it. He, 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 he wasn't in the owner's box. <laughs> he no. was not. He was not in the <laughs> owner's behind, box. That would have been glaring. He was behind home plate, not too far from where Michael Elias usually sits. They they uh, Michael Elias always has these seats like five rows behind home plate. He's there mm-hmm. almost every game, and he was not too far behind that. So. I'm wondering if they're friends, if they know each other. I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they know. I'm sure they know well. each other. Yeah. 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 Baseball. I, I doubt. I doubt they're friends. Pretty so. tight knit. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So final thoughts, Luke. Final thoughts on the Orioles, and if you want to give a thought or two about the Ravens. Ooh, I wasn't prepared for this. It was a very fun summer. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to opening day 2024. That's really all I've got on the Orioles. Okay. Uh, we'll come back for the Ravens. And then the Ravens, I hope they win tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, me too. They, they should me, be fi- that's all I want to say. They, me too. They, they should be 5-0. and oh. Anyway, Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'll make it quick. I again, like Luke said, great summer, great to wrap it up. Um, unfortunately, it's not the best way to end things, but it's uh, you know I think we we recapped it in a in a pretty good way today of, of highlighting the the highs that came from the season, all the great things that we're looking forward to next year. So, a lot of good on the horizon for the Orioles as far as the Ravens go. Angry, I was. I, I was very angry after that loss to the Steelers last week. Very like that was horrible, disgusting. Hated it. Everything hate. I, I nine thirty tomorrow also disgusting. Hate the fact they're playing at nine thirty a.m. You gotta get so, up early on a Sunday. I have to get up early and 22 watch. Twenty two years old. Nine nine thirty. I have to watch the Ravens play. But does you know, that interrupt your normal win. sleep schedule? Oh no! Like I, okay. I would usually be up at like eight a.m. But I, I like to have my coffee and sit in and, and, like and have your coffee and your donut and oh, your yeah. eggs while yeah. watching the game. Sunday morning. I, I guess I could. Yeah, but then you get to watch Red Zone all day. That's yeah, that's, that's true. That's great. That's fair. Yeah. That is great. I, I'm really I'm really looking forward that's to that's fair. To, to and tomorrow. so yeah, that's a great point because I feel like I haven't had an opportunity to really catch up on the league with a, a full red zone experience throughout a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that to really get a feel for what's going yeah. on around the league. Yeah, really I haven't done it yet this year either. I love those Sundays where oh, it's, yeah. if the Ravens don't play or they play on like Monday night or something like that, you get to watch red zone all day. Well, if they play in London at nine 30, that game's over by 1230 and you get to gear right. down for, for seven, seven hours. hours of commercial free football. Yeah. <laughs> See, you awesome. already got me fired up. For it, it. I'm, I'm super Hansen. excited. I might have to get like, uh, like, 36 wings or something. Ooh, something wow. ridiculous. Okay. Go, go ham. Um, <laughs> for me, uh, my final thoughts, man, what I'm upset about more than anything, like you guys said, amazing summer, just incredible. And, and you weren't waiting for the other shoe to drop. By, by mid-May, you knew this team was for real, right? And, and so for me, that was just an awesome summer all the way around. Really enjoyed the season. It did end on a sour note, but what I'm upset the most about 
is I know how good this team is, yeah. and I know they're only going to get better, and I know what the future holds, and we have to wait four and a half months yeah. to do it again. Yeah. And it's like, if you know how I feel about the fall and the winter, you know that it's going to be straight torture yeah. for me having to wait four and a half months for this team to get back on the field. How, how much total real time did the Orioles lead in that series? I think it was like five minutes. Yeah, it was. It was the they scored two runs in the bottom of the first inning in game two, and then they immediately gave it back. And immediately gave it back. And that was uh, that was quite a thud to uh, end the season on. Like I was there for the clincher. I don't know mm-hmm. if you were there. No, I was there the night before. Win number a hundred, and uh, leaving that ballpark. If you had told me, hey, they're only going to win one more game the rest of the year, I I, I would have been like, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It, it, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> you know. Um, but I'm really excited for I'm really excited for Jackson Holiday. Like, like yeah. I, I, I like as good as Gunner is, he might be better. Like it, 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 he, I don't know that he's gonna have the power that Gunner has, but Jackson Holiday, he might he might be better, which is scary because Gunner's freakishly good. Um, and imagine then, those two turning double plays. Mm. Woo, <laughs> Luke, come on! <laughs> I feel about that. How you just got hyped up for for, for red zone. Um, and then as far as the Ravens. I think the defense is legit, man. Like the defense, they're not giving up more than seventeen points in a game to this point in the year. Uh, and all I can say about them is catch the effing football. There just, you go. Just catch the effing football. All right. Thank you so much to Stan and Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Luke, thank you for another awesome time in studio. We, we love having you in here. It's one of our favorite favorite shows every time you come in. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our fans and listeners. Without you, we certainly do not have a show. Until next week, see ya!